everyone. Welcome to episode 365 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear, Monster Kid Radio. I am your classic or sometimes not so classic host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the podcast and welcome back to the Necronautics. We are using another one of their songs to open up and close the show. This song is called Stolen Moments. It's from their EP Headhunt. You can find them at thenecronautics.bandcamp.com and check out their four-song EP that you can buy for four euros. It's a heck of a deal. Some great music. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. When you're done listening to what we're talking about this week on the show, there's a lot to get to, a lot of stuff, and I'm excited to share it with you guys and gals this time around. So last week, I announced that this week's episode was going to be the reveal of the ballot for this year's Monster Rally Retro Awards, or the rallies, the award show that we do every year here on Monster Kid Radio. Stephen D. Sullivan would be part of that announcement, and while he and I did record that announcement, and he and I know what's on the ballot, that's not what's happening this week. I put out a programming update over the weekend letting you know that we're pushing things back a little bit. There's a number of different reasons for this. One, it's turning into a bigger project than I originally thought. I really want the audio and everything else that's going to go along with that episode to be great. I mean, I I feel like I've been doing a pretty good job, but I want this episode to stand out. I'm going to try to do some stuff on YouTube with the rallies and the whole bit. I just want to make sure everything works the way that I'm envisioning it or I've heard it in my head. And because of that, that means I'm going to need a little bit more time to do the edit. Also, it's a busy time of year. We just got done with the Rondo Awards. In fact, as of this recording, the winners of this year's Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards, they're going to be announced later tonight, and you're going to hear me react to them here later in the show. Plus, we have the annual Monster Poll that Stephen Turek and I are doing here on Monster Kid Radio, and we're going to talk a little bit about that when we talk to Stephen Turek. So we've got Stephen D. Sullivan in the wings. We've got Stephen Turek on stage right now to talk about a movie that neither he nor I have seen. We decided to do this kind of sight unseen kind of thing where we picked a movie that neither one of us had watched yet, but it's kind of sort of been on our radar, maybe, sort of. At least it's been on my radar. I think he stumbled across it just by going through Amazon Prime and seeing what's available. The movie is Cave of the Living Dead. It's a cool little flick, but I don't want to play my hand too early. Steve and I are going to talk about what we thought of this movie. It's a first-time viewing. I haven't done a sight-unseen kind of thing here on Monster Kid Radio in a long time. I think the last time we did it was with Tom Beagler, and we talked about an Arch Obler film. It might have been The Circle, if I remember right. And that experience, well, the movie... I mean, hanging out with Tom is great. I actually kind of miss that. We need to get him back on the show, and I just want to chat with him and hang out with him anyway. But the movie, it just didn't live up to uh, our expectations, or at least it didn't live up to my expectations. And, yeah, I mean, that wasn't Tom's fault. I mean, he didn't make the movie, but, you you know. In fact, I wouldn't mind going back and revisiting that movie and giving it another shot, because, you know, we are all about celebrating movies here on Monster Kid Radio. Anyway, how does Cave of the Living Dead stack up? We're going to find out, because we're going to talk about that here in this episode of the podcast. We're also going to talk about the Rondos. Like I said, I'll be going over who won the Rondos and you know, giving shout-outs to anybody who might have won. I, I don't even know yet. I'm actually recording this at 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night. The announcement of the winner starts at 7 p.m. So by the time this episode goes out, they will have announced them. Hopefully, I can give some congratulations to my friends. So that'll be coming up. Also, of course... We have feedback, and my wife Brenda's going to be joining me again to review those emails and the one voicemail. That's all happening, though, after the main conversation with Stephen Turek about Cave of the Living Dead and a handful of other things along the way. That's all happening right after this. 
be true, you know. There could actually be a man named Barnabas Collins, and he could actually be a real vampire. <laughs> House of Dark Shadows from MGM. See how the vampires do it. Rated <laughs> GP, all ages, parental guidance. Coming from gooey films, an adventure like no other. From the mind of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Watson! The year is 1896, and Sherlock Holmes faces his most peculiar case yet. The mystery of the Six Napoleons. Good, thank you. Come, Watson, the game is afoot! Joshua Kennedy as the master detective, a new and exciting Sherlock Holmes. I dare call nothing trivial, Watson, nothing. You'll remember how the dreadful case of the Abernethy family was first brought to my attention by the depth which, which the, the parsley, parsley had sunk into the butter on a hot day. Yes, yes, we all know what you did. Bessie Nellis, Dr. Watson's most beautiful portrayer. It is clear that the possession of this trifling bus was worth more in the eyes of our strange criminal than that of a human life. Jonathan Danziger as Inspector Lestrade, Amy Ziliacs as Mrs. Hudson, also starring a cavalcade of great talent, Jake Williams, Tracy Thomas, George Chapper, Michael Rosenfeld, Will McKinley, Mark Holmes. Yes, it's quite humorous if I do say so myself. Well, there it is. The Return of Sherlock Holmes. See it in Gooey School. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Giaconetti. You may recognize my voice from the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And if you don't, you should be listening. But today I need to ask you a few questions. Do you like big bugs and you cannot lie? Other robots just can't deny that when the Queen of Space walks in and puts a blast in your face that your gears get sprung? Are you deep in the bee we're sharing? Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. I am Dracula, and I bid you welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic, and sometimes not so classic, genre cinema of yesteryear. And I offer you this warning. Sometimes Derek and his guests get excited, and they may spoil a movie or two. You know how excited monster kids can get sometimes. If Monster Kid Radio spoils a movie for you, do not come whining to me. I cannot stand whines. 
Monster Kid Radio listeners, I've been chatting with this week's guest for what? It's been almost 45, 50 minutes now, and I figured let's start the show. Why don't we actually talk about what we're going to be talking about today? Steve Turek, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing wonderful. How about yourself? I Well, as we've been talking about for the past 45 minutes or so, I'm doing great. <laughs> this is what happens when Monster Kids start talking, when friends start talking. You just end up gabbing and gabbing. Yes, you know, it, it's what I love about the show. It's, it's brought me so many great friendships and, and people to chat with. So uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I'm glad you're doing good. I'm excited to talk about this week's movie. I'm excited to catch up with you. Uh, what kind of monster things have you been up to lately? I'm still doing my deep, deep dive into dark shadows, but I'm starting to see some light because I'm in the thousands now. So I'm at, at the 1,030 mark, and I think there's 1,245 episodes. So I'm nearing the end oh, man. Of, of, of the whole run. And then I'll go to the two movies and with the Dark Shadows TV show cast. And then I'll end it, if I don't know if it'll be a cherry on top of the Sunday, but with the dark shadows of Johnny Depp. Okay, well, um, okay then. Have I mentioned, have I actually said live on the show what I'm doing in December, or has that all just been conversations like between you and me and other people on Facebook? I think, I think we might have mentioned it during our house okay. one but now you have me wondering, did we do it off air or on air? Um, I, I don't remember. So why don't we go ahead and say it now? I'm going to say now, and, and I want Steve uh, to be involved with this. I want the other Steve to be involved with this as well. And a few other people I've talked to and reached out to, Jeff Owens has expressed a lot of interest, and I'd love to have him on board as well. I've been doing a little bit more theme month-wise this year, and I'm going to end the year with a theme month. Dan Sember, where we talk about nothing but Dan Curtis movies. And, of course, we're going to talk about Dark Shadows, because you can't get away from Dan Curtis without talking about this iconic TV show. I, I don't know what format this is going to take yet. Uh, I'm thinking about a roundtable, but that does turn into a, a scheduling thing, uh, trying to line everybody up in different time zones and that sort of thing. But I, I'm going to be doing Dan Sember here on Monster Kid Radio at the end of the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited for for it oh I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it and jeff owens and rich chamberlain are one of the main reasons i started doing the deep dive in december when they did on their podcast the classic cars club mm -hmm. podcast and they talk, talked about dark shadows and they both mentioned how it was so tough for anybody to go through the whole run like just to do it and they, and they had trouble going through it and i was like i own the coffin set I'm going to do it. And, and I started in, like I said, I think I told you before, January 2nd. And I don't do it on weekends. I only do it during the week. And I'm almost finished. And I, I mean, I, I thought I'd take a whole year to do it. And obviously, I'll be finishing later this month in April. So I, I, I'm way ahead of schedule, <laughs> which is good because every time I listen to your podcast, it's either another book or a movie adds to my pile. So if I actually would go to my original part, I would never see the light of day. But now I'll be able to get that ever-growing pile of movies, which I believe um, you and Rod Adams talked about. People like us, we just keep, oh, we, I got to get this movie. Yep. And then you realize, oh, I got um, 20, 30 movies in front of this one. When, oh, gee, oh, oh. Yep. We're in that time now where some of the, I don't know, what the mainstream might consider lower tier genre films are getting the Blu-ray treatment. And so even if I already have a copy of The Vampire's Ghost on DVD and I love it, 
there's a Blu-ray out there I'd love to add to my collection because I like that movie and it's a Blu-ray, so I've got to add more. You know, it's it's that collector mentality. I'm going to say collector, not hoarder. I'm going to say it's that collector mentality <laughs> of just wanting all these movies that we love so much. You mentioned Rich and uh, Jeff and their podcast, and just like that, Steve helped me figure out which promo I'm going to play this week on the show. Uh, I'll be playing the promo for the Classic Horrors Club podcast. <laughs> so thanks to that. Thank you, Steve. Sometimes I struggle. To, I can't remember which one I played most recently. So uh, check out their podcast and there will be a promo either earlier in the show or later in the show so you can learn a little bit more about it. Uh, you know, since we're talking theme months, uh, why don't I just go ahead and take this opportunity to mention the two other big theme months that I'm doing here on the show. Uh, I think people know that I'm doing Lucha de Mayo or Mayo uh, later Actually, next month, we're going to be doing Luchador Monster Movies, which I'm really excited about. I've got Frank Schildener on deck to talk about Champions of Justice, and I've got uh, somebody else who's never been on the show. I'm going to keep that a surprise. That's going to be a lot of fun to talk about a couple other movies. Uh, that's happening in May. I've got a very special episode, which I don't want to announce what it is yet. I want to surprise people coming up in July with Steve right here. That's going to be fun. And then in August, this is the first time I'm mentioning it here on the show. Very few people know that I'm planning this. Edgar August Poe. We're going to be nothing but Edgar Allan Poe films. Uh, I've got Larry Underwood on deck. I've got Dr. Dreck, Michael Leggi on deck to do some Edgar Allan Poe films here on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun to dive into some of those movies. There's more than just the Corman, uh, I've got some price movies out there when it comes to Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. Those, those, I, I, I need to stop at that point. I think I need to stop at that point. So if I put too many more theme months in there, I'm, I'm going to be restricting myself and I want to be all over the place with this show. I want to do Japanese movies from the seventies. I want to do German movies that, well, like we're doing this time around. I, I want to do all sorts of crazy stuff here on the show. So you know, we're going to keep it open, except for those months. I'm really excited about those months as well. And even if you have a theme month, doesn't mean like if a month's five weeks or four weeks, depending on how, how, how the weeks fall, you can always have something different in there. Yeah, we'll see. You're the man. Yeah. You're the man. Well, <laughs> it is my show. I suppose I make the rules, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm really excited about the movie that you and I are covering in July. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to say what it is, but it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be something different. And I think it'll, people will be like, what? Of course, I'm the same guy that brought House to the picture. So you never know what's going to come from us. <laughs> you know, we were talking about this earlier before we started the show proper that, you know, whenever we have Anthony Wendell on the show, we know it's about a giant monster, right? Whenever we have Stephen E. Sullivan on the show, we know it's a particular type of movie. I have certain guests that come on to cover certain types of films. You know, they're my go-to guys. You, sir, are all over the map, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, because we, we've done, the well, the entirety of the Mimiverse, except for Demon with the Atomic Brain. Mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't out at the time. So basically, we could say all the, like, the current millennium. Yep. And then, of course, we did House, Japanese horror, very niche grouping, very very different. And, and I hope the people that listen to podcasts that watched it the first time as, as I said to you before, watch it a second time because it's that second viewing that really brings it home. And when I last talked to you, you, watched, you only saw it the one time. Did you watch it a second time yeah, yet? Yes, I have. And I've explored more of the special features. And man, it's still a weird movie. There are still some parts where I'm just like, what, what? But, you know, when you start to watch it that second time and start to dive into some of the special features and just kind of learn a little bit more about what's going on there, it's, I don't want to say the word beautiful because I think that gets kind of cliched, you know? But there is a sense of a really strong aesthetic in this movie that's just so out there. It's 
it's what weird fiction is. It's it's just so bizarre. And you start to see things in the background that are just kind of like they're like we talked about, like the bear and the one scene that's like, is that a bear serving? Yep, that's a bear. And now that you see the bear, you're like, okay, you know, it's it's just such a bizarre film. But man, I'm happy to have it at my collection. I'll tell you that. It, it, to me, it's just you know, like you said, it's visually just it stays with you. It's mm-hmm. the, the dreamlike quality, that nightmare quality, and the music. Oh, the music, exactly. Uh, it's wonderful. And of course, now we're doing a movie from the other area, from Europe in the sixties. And then, um, I think we have some stuff coming down the road that one's in the thirties and the other ones in the sixties mm-hmm. also that are totally different than anything we that I've done with you. And I think one of them is totally different than anything you've ever done before. <laughs> well, and there's something else too, I guess we didn't even talk about this, something from back to school. We might be doing something special too, which is again, something totally different than anything we've ever done on the show. So Steve, thank you for bringing some variety to monster kid radio, man. I look at it this way. I'm, I'm the one person you could throw in almost any month and just say, oh, let's get Steve. <laughs> the only thing I don't really know much about is the, the one I'm looking forward to May is Mexican monster movies. Yeah. And I didn't really start watching any of them until I started listening to your podcast. Oh. And um, you started bringing them up, and I was like, oh. And we went to Monster Bash last year, Mexican monster movie night. And everybody was there. It seemed to be for tacos and burritos. Because sadly, a lot of people left after they served the food. I don't really eat the Mexican food for health reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for the movie and it was just like, it was Santo or Samson versus the, the, the vampires, but it was really Santo. Right. And, uh, that, that was definitely interesting. Gothic horror mixed with wrestling. I mean, it was a matchup that I've never seen before. And it has me curious to see other things in that realm. And that, yeah. because it was definitely, it was definitely, it was like, wow, this is totally different. I can see where people gravitate towards it because it's funny because the way it's dubbed. I wish I would have saw it with the subtitles because then I can actually get what they're supposed to be saying because anytime I see something dubbed, I always think about what the Japanese horror films, you know, the Godzilla ones when they dub it and you get some crazy stuff like them. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there one where um, George Takei was dubbed, his voice was dubbed and said something with a coconut? and. <laughs> And it had nothing to do at all with the, with the but they tried to match it right, with the lips. Right. It's just, you get some crazy stuff. And then <laughs> you're watching them, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, I'll tell you, one of the movies that we're going to be doing in May, uh, it's Santo. There's time travel and Dracula. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Wait a minute. Santo, time travel, and Dracula all in one movie? Yeah. <laughs> well, how could it not be great? I know, right? <laughs> So that that's coming. So people can look forward to that here. Uh, well, next month, in fact. So that's going to be fun. And then, of course, we've got the Monster Batch coming up, which means come June, come part of July, come throughout the rest of the year, really, you'll probably hear a lot of stuff from this year's Monster Batch because I'm going to be recording from the event, from the Monster Kid Radio table station it's not really a booth but yeah i'm gonna be right there like ron adams said in last week's episode right there next to registration i'm gonna have my recorder there i'm gonna have my microphones i'm gonna have my video camera i'm gonna have plenty of decks of the classic five to play Uh, it's gonna be a real treat and speaking of the classic five steve do you want to play it before we get started oh why not you know we got to go for it even though sometimes it scares me because you'll throw out a question i'll be like who was that i'm 
Yeah, you know, I'm always game. Because <laughs> if you get something you don't know, unless you learn something, you and I were talking about earlier about um, Stan Lee in Marvel Comics. Right. And he would, was so great, but he would write some words down. I remember growing up and reading it, and I'm like, what is that word? And, of course, you grab the dictionary, you look it up, and you learn something new. So even, even if you hit me with somebody who I don't know from that name exactly what movies they're with, then I can learn, oh, that person did this and this and this. And then, cause sometimes you don't associate the name with the movies. Yeah, exactly. So I hope you're ready because I've got the deck and, uh, all right. One more shuffle just for Christopher Page. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Card number one. You're ready. The Classic Five for, oh, for people who don't know the Classic Five, it's a game that we play with our guests here on Monster Kid Radio and people live in person at Monster Mesh, uh, where we get to know a little bit more about the people that we're speaking with. Uh, so yes or no, this or that style questions all about monster movies. Steve, here we go. Card number one right off the top. What is your favorite follow-up to the original The Invisible Man? My favorite follow-up to the original Invisible Man. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to go The Invisible Woman. Why, something's still showing? I like it because sometimes I like it when they take things in a different direction and and change it up with the genders and that kind of stuff. So to me, that one would be my favorite follow-up, too. I say, you're materializing. Go get your clothes off. Why, Professor, I'm ashamed of you. Get me a nurse, get me a doctor, get me something. George, we better get the Professor. What for? To cheer up a lot of bedclothes? Come clean about how this machine works. Make men visible. I did not invent that machine to make killers like you invisible. Oh, this is going to be good. Whoopee! Those are the noisiest grasshoppers I ever heard. (laughs) Christopher Columbus, we're being shot at! It's a fun one. 1940 uh, really doesn't have anything to do with the series at all. The model becomes an invisible woman. There's some mobster stuff going on, a little screwball at spots. It's a fun little movie. I kind of dig it, too. You're right. You got the right answer. No, there's no right answer here. Okay. (laughs) But that's a good answer. Card number two. Oh. Hopefully we never give you like a gong or something. You'd be like, gong. No, I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's an idea. Okay. No. Anyway, card number two. What is your favorite non-Toho kaiju? And I know it's hard because you're a huge Godzilla fan, but if you get away from Toho, what's your favorite? Ugh. Favorite non uh, Gamera. Yeah? Gamera, turtle and a half shell. You know, you got to go with the, the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's defender of the universe or whatever. You know, it's, I remember growing up watching on Saturdays, you always had the monster movie show, you know, when there's only like four channels on your TV and that kind of stuff. And it was just great. Because you'd have Godzilla, you'd have Gamera, you'd have who knows what coming on, and I would have to put Gamera right up there. It's just, it's, it's a great concept. You just gotta love it. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. All right, card number three. Which movie do you prefer, The War of the Worlds or When Worlds Collide? War of the Worlds. 
could be the beginning of the end for the human race. For what men first thought were meteors or the often ridiculed flying saucers are in reality the flaming vanguard of the invasion from Mars. Looks like they're going to come out of that gully pretty soon. We'll have to rush our defenses to be ready when they do. Guys, you need plenty of reinforcements. We'll get them. Lieutenant! Look! They slash across country like scythes, wiping out everything that's trying to get away from them. That explains why communication is cut the moment their machines begin moving. Montreal's blacked out. Nothing more has come through. Same thing that happened on the Pacific Coast. Anything from them yet? No, Mr. Secretary, we've had nothing from San Francisco for over five hours. The nations of the world mobilize their armed might, rushing to defend the Earth against the unknown weapons of the super race from the Red Planet. Is there nothing that can stop the Martian death machines? Guns, tanks, bombs, they're like toys against them. We know now that we can't beat their machines. We've got to beat them. All over the world, human beings cower before the onslaught of these unearthly enemies whom no one has ever seen. <coughs> Panic that sweeps around the globe as the great masses of mankind flee blindly in a headlong stampede of hysteria. That hesitation, special effects, it still holds up great today. I mean, yes, if you get oh, the Blu-ray or high-definition thing, I think you can see the strings or whatever. And that's, that's the one negative sometimes if you get something you know, too high def. But I just, I just love it. I just remember watching it growing up. And it's still, I remember watching it with my children about a year or so ago. And it, it, it still is great today. Better than the Tom Cruise remake. Because um, we know how you feel about Tom Cruise remakes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what I am excited about, I don't know much about it, but I guess the BBC is doing an adaptation of Lord of the Worlds, but it's actually going to be set specific in the time in which it was written. So it'll actually be a period piece, and I'm excited about that to see how they do that. I'll have to tell you, a lot of BBC stuff I do enjoy yeah. because they really take a lot of care. Mm-hmm. They might not always have the budgets that the major studios do, but they're always able – a lot of stuff seems to come really – you know, when you get across the pond, it's really good, really good quality. Yep. So I'd be, I'd be interested in that also. All right, card number four. What classic monster movie would you like to see turned into a theme park attraction? Classic monster movie turned into a theme park attraction. Well, that's interesting. Um, hmm. Let's see. What he did, they've done King Kong because mm-hmm. they did it at Universal. The hard part is trying to remember which ones that they might have done already. Uh, haunted Houses, they've had Dracula, they've had Frankenstein, they've had the Wolfman in Haunted Houses. So that, that rules them out. How about something where um, they go aquatic? You know, something where, like, like Creature of the Black Lagoon. Where you go one where it sense it takes you under the water and you have different things and you can go above the water and it could be it could be done in that way. I can see that work. It could be a roller coaster ride where you go in and out, or it could be something like they do at Disney World where you see the story and you're kind of going through the location and you get to see Yeah. Um, 
I, I, or it could be a combo to two, like they do a Splash Mountain, where you go for the story and then you get the, the, the drop at the end, something like that. I was that. just thinking, yeah, like a combination of the old 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea submarine ride to get underwater. Have you ever been on that? Uh, when I was a kid, I did go on that in Disneyland. Yeah, I remember that. I have a lot of strong memories from it. I don't think the ride exists anymore. Um, it doesn't. I was on it in a Disney World in the 80s, yeah. and then I remember going back and it was gone. Um and then like the river boat kind of stuff because they do that as well. And then, yeah, throw in some Splash Mountain stuff. Why not? I'm on board. Somebody put that theme park together. I'm there. Okay. <laughs> and the fun- That's a tough one because it's hard to remember which monsters have already been utilized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, though. All right. Card number five. Final question. Steve, what is your favorite John Carradine monster movie? Favorite John Carradine monster movie. He was in so many. He really was. <laughs> movies. The man never stopped acting. He was like a shark. If he stopped, he'd die. You know, he just kept acting and acting. It didn't matter what it was. He was always doing stuff. Yeah, he's been in virtually. I think if he was still alive today, he would still be showing up. Sure. Um, I had to go with one of the ones where he played Dracula. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, so I'm, I'm trying to remember which movies he played Dracula in. I know he was in Billy the Kid versus Dracula. That would not be my favorite one. Okay. It's an entertaining one. Sure, sure, sure. Is he in House of Dracula? He is. He's in the two final uh, House movies. So he played Dracula twice for Universal. Trying to pick between the two is like trying to pick between your children. I'm going to go with House of Dracula. The final one before Abbott and Costello got a hold of him? Yes. I am Count Dracula. You see, before you were a man who lived for centuries, kept alive by the blood of innocent people. When the full moon rises, I turn into a werewolf with only one desire, to kill. I tried to perform the miracle of science and failed. My blood is contaminated with the blood of Dracula. You know, there's some cool stuff in that. I know it doesn't get as much love as House of Frankenstein and... You know, it doesn't have Karloff in it or whatever, but I kind of like that one. And it's the one that Larry Talbot gets cured in. So, you know, you got that, kind of. And then it gets undone by Abbott and Costello, but still. Well, does it get undone? Who's to say where in the timeline Abbott and Costello took place? You can- That's true. There is the, you can you can swap the order and then, you're, yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, that, that was the classic five, Steve. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. I feel I need this deck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will have some for sale at Monster Bash. So, <laughs> you know, what I should do is I wonder if I should have like a European expansion deck, which is nothing but European. Well, I do have the hammer cards. You and I talked about that before when we talked about house. Like if you should have something yeah. international. Yeah, like an international flavor. I mean, you can have Hammer be its own. Yeah. Because Hammer has so many movies. I think it deserves its own expansion. But then, sure. and just just like Toho could have its own expansion, it really could. But yeah. then the rest could be like Amicus, um, things that happen in in um, Spain and Germany, and the non Tohos, um, Italy, Italy, all that stuff could be yeah. thrown in its own expansion. Mexico could be thrown in its own expansion. Um, hmm. And the, here's something I don't know if you ever thought about this. Did you ever think of having a um, like a young adult version of the expansion? Because people might be saying, oh. oh my kids don't know all these movies, but then it could be something like a gateway where you could have things like um, Scooby-Doo. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think things that are 
like the kids are still watching today that they would know that it's a better kind of universal, hmm. like, like, like a Scooby-Doo type of thing. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it to be honest. Well, of course, let's see how it all works in monster base. You can always get feedback from people. What I love about the classic five that I'm doing here is that, uh, I mean, I'll just be bopping along my normal day and like four or five new questions will pop into my head and I'll write them down. Then I get home and realize, well, okay, only one of them is any good, but still, I mean, I'm always coming up with new stuff for it and there's always going to be new expansions depending on how it does. Yeah. Um, well, even if not depending on how it does, because I'm always going to play it here on the show. You know, always going to do it here. I, I know a lot of people dig it. I love doing it. Uh, and I love doing it with people at Monster Bash. Uh, man, some of my favorite memories of last year's Monster Bash were just sitting around the tables after the show was done when they closed the doors and the guests are, you know, up in their hotel room or whatever, just hanging out and, and pulling out the deck and, and going for it. It was just fun to, to have. I think at one point we had like eight or nine people all at once playing along. It was great. It was great. I remember it was it was interesting because a lot of us were at that point having a bash burnout and our, and, and our brains were not thinking as clearly. I know it affected me on one particular question where it was, um, uh, what movie um, should be colorized? Oh, yeah. And I remember I was having such a hard time thinking. I picked House of Wax. And my son looks at me, Dad, we just saw it in the movie theater two months ago. It's in color. <laughs> and, I, and I'm looking at him like, my brain is so fried. Yeah. But, it, but in my defense, mm-hmm. my defense, when I originally saw House of Wax all those times growing up, it was on a black and white TV in my room. So a lot of times you never do a movie was in color. <laughs> You're so used to thinking of it as in black and white. Yep. And then, you know, it's like, and then you see, it's like, Oh, this movie's in color. Yep. <laughs> nice. <knew>? Right. <laughs> but it did lead to an interesting discussion on that. Who knows if that'll ever hear the light of, see the light of day. You know, I still have stuff to go through and more, some old audio content that I still haven't run yet. So we'll see. We'll see. First, we got to talk about this movie. We got this movie on deck here. And, and Steve and I wanted to kind of find a movie that neither one of us had seen before. Uh, a sight unseen kind of movie pick. And he sent me a list of all these movies that he can get that we can get on Amazon Prime. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, I've seen that one too. Oh, man, I'm so sorry I've seen that one. And then we came across Cave of the Living Dead. And uh, it's something that I've always been interested in, but I have never seen it. It's from 1964. It's from Germany. Uh, I think it's also known as is it Night of the Vampires. Yes, it's also known as Night of the Vampires. It was originally released as a double feature with the movie Tomb of Torture, which I have seen and actually have here on disc. I've actually introduced this movie at the Joy Cinema here in Portland several years back. Uh, and that's a pretty good little kind of creepy movie. So I was wondering how Cave of Living Dead compared to it. I was pleasantly surprised Um when you were picking these movies, Steve, were you just kind of going through a list or, or were you drawn to particular titles? Well, I had to admit they're on like um, to watch, you know, like uh, you, you know, your, your section we could pick to watch. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you go through like, OK, I'm interested in this. Let me download and I'll be ready to go. So I was picking from that particular list. I had heard nothing about it. I was literally going it went back to my blockbuster days. You're looking at the title and the, the artwork. Mm hmm. And that made your decision because, to be honest, I'm sure you you know this too. There's really nothing online about this movie. <laughs> I did run into that. Uh, I found a lot of reviews, uh, but I didn't find a lot of like what went into the behind the scenes that sort of thing. One reviewer even called this movie Germany's Revenge on the Rest of the World for World War II. Um, so didn't <laughs> not a lot of favorable reviews uh, on this film. But I couldn't find a lot of making of or how it even got over here into the states. I was entertained with it, but I will say going in, 
I did look to see like who was in the cast. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let me let me see who's in it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Don't know that. Don't know that. Don't know that person. Got to the last name, John Kitzmiller. Okay. Who plays John? And I'm like, I know him. <laughs> I said, Doctor No. That's right. He was in James Bond. I was like, okay, I know one person in the whole movie. <laughs> yep. Going in. And he was great. I mean, he was very enjoyable. I, f- I was worried that he was going to be like in the movie for like five minutes because he was listed last, you know, on, on the thing. And then he was in the whole movie, thankfully. So, I was, you know, so I was like, yes, one name. <laughs> yeah. And sadly, he died a year after this, this movie was made. Oh, I didn't know that. He died in 1965. Oh, that's too bad. 51 years old. Man, he's an interesting character in this. I do feel like, and, and I just want to say this up front, I do feel like there's some subtle sexism and some subtle racism in this, just a little bit. Um, I just want to kind of throw that out there, get that out of the way. I don't think it really impacted my enjoyment of the movie so much, but it's, it's there. It's present. So... That said, I did like him in the movie. I did like uh, his character. He does play uh, like a manservant, a servant and assistant type to the local professor. Yes, Professor Von Eldersberg. Uh, I guess he and the professor are relatively recent transplants to the area. They're not native. And because of that, uh, they are viewed with suspicion. In fact, there's even a line, and one of them is black. So, you know, there's, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. But yeah, they call him black, and, and, and they refer to him other ways too. And he does get manhandled by somebody at, at a bar mm-hmm. but I, I, I look at it there's definitely some racist aspects there but the other part is both he and the professor showed up six months ago and all the events start happening six months ago and in a small village bad things start to happen these are the two new elements it, you know it's not going to be a big stretch for them to, to suspect that there's something weird with those two yeah that's true and I mean, some of it is they're outsiders, so that's kind of how they're treating him. But th- there is that. Um, I do like him, though. I think he's a fun character. I, I especially like when he and the inspector are together. That's fun for me. Oh, I think it's a good chemistry and back and forth. Those two were wonderful. And and his character, John, was different than I thought it was going to be. It, it was different. And this movie had, takes a lot of things that you suspect to go a certain way, and it twists them. Yes, or takes him in a totally different way where you're going. And, and his character of John is one of them. And I know you'll put up the count because of spoilers or whatever. I was just so happy he made it all the way through. Right? <laughs> you didn't expect, I did not expect that at all. I thought that was great. I, was like, I thought he was going to die two different times. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh, he's going to die. When the professor keeps coming out, it's like, John, where's John? I worry about John. Yep. And I thought, Oh, he's probably going to bite it in the, the cave mm-hmm. um, in the grotto. And he ends up saving the inspector's life. So, you know, it's like, well, he's saving the guy's life. He's not a bad guy. You keep thinking he's going to be this, like, the henchman, the Igor, the bad guy. But he's not. No. Yeah. And <laughs> I thought oblivious. I thought at one point the professor was going to kill him. I thought when he comes back, he's like, I didn't give you permission to go into town or whatever. I thought he was going to strike out and kill him at that point. Because this is after he's done some kind of sort of magic stuff with the candles and thinking, okay, there's some stuff happening here and he, he's going to kill the dude. No, he didn't. It was, it was a nice twist. Like you said, not expected. There's a lot about this movie that wasn't expected for me. I think because it's a lesser known film in monster kid circles, we probably ought to talk a little bit about what the movie really is, what the story is. Uh, I want to start with how awesome the tagline is. I love the tagline from the movie poster. 
Beyond the black mouth of the cursed cave lurked the unfleshed. Okay, I don't know what that means, but it's darn cool. <laughs> it, it's like I said, you're in a blockbuster. You're pulling out the different things. You see that, you're like, I'm in. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And the poster art that I'm looking at is from the double feature release of Cave of the Living Dead and Tomb of Torture. And the artwork from Cave of the Living Dead, it makes it look like it's a full-on, flat-out vampire film. And that's basically what it is. But there's so much in this movie that has no vampires on screen whatsoever. I feel like they really kind of held back on the vampire content. I firmly believe this film was edited when they probably sent it to America or whatever. I think there's parts of this movie that we did not see. Okay. You know, from my point of view, because there's certain things that are never really explained. You know, so I feel like there's something left on a cutting room floor somewhere out there. Mm -hmm. Like, but I said, it's hard to find that because there's virtually no information on this. Really not a heck of a lot. The movie opens with our inspector, our lead, the guy who's going to be taking us through the story, Inspector Frank Doran, played by Adrian Hoven. A lot of these names are going to be German and uh, may mispronounce them, but Inspector Doran's about to go on vacation. Apparently it's it's time for him to take some time off, but he gets called back in to go to a small town to investigate the death of some young girls. And, oh, by the way, every time somebody's killed, the power goes out, which I thought was kind of a neat little touch. And... I don't think it was ever explained, but it was kind of neat. It was never explained. It was like the power would always go out between midnight and 12.59. Yeah. It was one hour minus one minute. It wasn't even just like the power to, that you plug into the light or the lights or whatever. The dude's car died. And the flashlight. Yeah. It's like this EMP thing happened uh, <laughs> throughout the town. The whole village. Yeah. Well, this is going to be – I was really wondering – there's so many interesting things they brought up in this movie. I'm thinking, oh, where are they going to take this? Maybe everybody thinks it's vampires and it's actually a scientific experiment going on. It, it could have been anything. I mean, the original title in German, Der Flug der Grünen Augen, which I probably butchered, translates to The Curse of the Green Eyes. So <laughs> it could have been anything, really. But, I mean, it's, it's vampires. <laughs> You've got a vampire problem. And we'll learn oh, that, yeah, as, as the movie progresses. I never got the impression that the inspector was willing to say vampires. Well, that's just a superstition. He seems to buy the whole vampire thing right away. And he even starts to argue a little bit with the village doctor who I kind of thought might have been the, culprit, the the villain here because of the way he acts and, and the way he reacts to this whole, oh, uh, the superstition, you know, vampires, you're really going to believe that. I really thought he might've been the vampire. I, I liked how he did that for a while. Cause he had a couple people. Is it the professor? Is it the doctor? Mm -hmm. Where you know, you're not sure. But I, as you brought up with um, inspector Doran, I loved how he just came in there and instead of being the typical, Oh no, they can't be vampires. There's no such thing. He was looking at the evidence that was presented to him. Six victims in six months, one a month. Power goes out mysteriously each time for one hour. When he arrives, victim number seven happens literally just before he gets there. So you don't know. And I, and I, I like how we, instead of being closed-minded, he was so open-minded. And I think because it was 1964 with the music and the way they introduced him in the bar and the way he went to the chief and the chief was explaining stuff to him. Oh, you're going to get these special infrared goggles and stuff. I kept thinking he was like a secret agent oh, that they're yeah. playing him up mm -hmm. like the, the, the little bit, like a James Bondish type thing. 
And just the way he handled stuff was totally nothing seemed to phase him. He was as as the one lady that uh, the old nanny said to him, "You're fearless." I mean, he was just nothing bothered him. He's like, "Okay, let's go, let's go do it." And I liked that a lot. I I always respond well, and I think listeners might be getting tired of me saying it. I respond well to the monster hunter stories. Give me a story. Give me a movie with a monster hunter going after something, and I am all in. And I loved The Inspector because of that. I love this kind of, is he a super secret spy kind of guy? He does have that infrared light in the car that, well get stolen later but he's got that and he's kind of coming in and just doing his thing and even the way they open the movie when he gets called in he's at a bar checking out some woman i mean it's it's very 60s spy like and it is the 60s you know it's the era of the euro spy film and he really I, I love that i love that so much i want to see more stories like this with a character like this he doesn't really have a story arc or uh like a, a a lot of growth in this story because when he sees the evidence, like, oh, okay, must be vampires. Let's stop them, you know? But I, I still respond well to that, and I really enjoyed that. And I liked his back and forth with the doctor. I liked his camaraderie and the chemistry between him and the servant with John. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the way he interacted with Karen. I think the kiss came out of the blue, but, you know, he's a spy. That's what they did in the 60s. But still. As I told him, say, I really enjoyed it. And, for me personally, I think of his backstory. He's like, he finished the case, was getting ready to go on vacation when they brought him back. My personal backstory, because the way he accepted the vampire so much, mm-hmm. is that he gets the unusual case. Yes. I was thinking. He's like the call check of the inspector. Yes. You know, he gets the weird and wonderful. And I think, oh, this would be a great TV or movie series. Yes. You know, the inspector showing up. He was undercover for like, what, five minutes. I mean, it was <laughs> right. That, that was hilarious. I'll be a tourist. Susan Burdick, I'm the inspector. Yeah, yeah. Like, that that didn't last long. When, when the local police burst into his room, and he immediately disarms them. He's like, yeah, uh, you're the one who's going to jail. I'm an inspector. Let's blow my cover. Okay. <laughs> Take me to the body. In the, but one other thing I want to say when he introduced him, when he was meeting with the chief, I don't know if you felt this, but when the chief turned his back to him and was, like, going through a binder to say, oh, you got this and this, uh-huh. maybe it's because I watched too much Batman stuff. I kept waiting for the, inspect- the chief to turn around and the inspector to already be gone. That would have been cool. He's like, I'm already off. See ya. Yeah. Now, I do like the the idea that this is the guy who gets the weird stuff. And again, it's that monster hunter me. And I was thinking when the movie wrapped up, well, what's he going to do now? Well, there's this town that maybe there's this werewolf thing going on, but nobody believes it. You better go over there and check it out. Okay, boss. And then off to the next adventure. You know, that's that's what I wanted. Because yeah, if he was with Interpol or whatever or something that he could go everywhere, you know, right. Europe. You would have unlimited amount of stories. I, I could just imagine a movie series going off and on. This is one of the things that I love about the Satanic Rites of Dracula, the last Christopher Lee Hammer Dracula film. I mean, I know they did other vampire films, but the last time Lee was Dracula is that there's this part of the government <laughs> that totally buys into all this vampire stuff. And they're working with that generation's Van Helsing to stop it. And I love that. The, the government's going to know if weird things are going on constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and, but they're always going to do it. Like we have our men in black type stuff. So it'd be kind of curious. Like he was like the man in black now, in my personal backstory, which yeah. they never explained it there. Like he, is, he is the man in black yep. for Europe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's so much we can play with, you know, head cannon wise with this. I loved the doctor. Like I said, I think he's, I expected him to be the vampire, but even though he wasn't, I, I really enjoyed his kind of 
It's a heart attack. They, they they didn't die of anything. Those those things on the neck. Well, that's that's nothing. That's just inconsequential. It's a heart attack. <laughs> just a scratch. Just a, just a flesh wound. <laughs> just like, really, dude? Come on. Well, you know these these townsfolk. You know they're yeah. Did you really have to go talk to Nanny, the the local witch? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, okay. This you, is great. giving credence to the whole vampire stuff and. The inspector goes to him, hey, did you do an autopsy to find out what really killed her? <laughs> <laughs> and the way the inspector talked to the two um, police officers that got it, it was almost like he's like dealing with children. Right. With them, you know, really? You, you, didn't you look at the evidence? You know? <laughs> well, to be fair, the, the two police officers that burst into his room that night did kind of act like buffoons or children. They, they were really kind of... Not on their game. Well, that's what I'm saying. That they, they were they were children. I mean, yeah. they were they were well, they were the comic relief. There was some odd humor. This is another complaint that I found about the film when I was trying to find some information online. That some of the humor doesn't quite work. And and there is one moment where the uh, inn keeper does look pretty much straight at the camera and makes a comment about, "Well, it's just me and my wine. Ha ha ha! I couldn't get the girl." It's a little awkward, but. You know, especially when you find out that she was the maid that works for him. Yeah, because the whole that whole scene was like that's just creepy. Yeah, that's that's a little much. I don't even think in 90, 1964 that was that that, that, that would have, I think that would have come off creepy then. I don't know. Yeah. That was just ugh. yeah, it's a little odd. And then she goes and gets killed, which you know is not her fault. Traditionally, in a movie, uh, in a in a horror movie, a monster movie, the victims are the ones who've done something wrong, right? She didn't do anything wrong. She resisted his advances and went to bed. He drank the wine. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just who knows? yeah I don't know what, what she did that led her up to that point. But yeah, it's, it's you know. I love the imagery when the vampire was coming to get her. Yes. Okay. And that's something else I want to talk about. Um, I that love. That was very good. Very good throwback. There's a lot of really cool imagery in this. I mean, it's a German film, so maybe Nosferatu is fresher in their minds than they are, than it would be here. But there's some really cool throwbacks or callbacks to Nosferatu in terms of the shadow work, uh, the shadow going across the building, uh, the hands kind of coming up a window. Really cool stuff here. Some really neat imagery that. I respond really well to. I dug it a lot. And what I find fascinating is I did some checking up on the director. I don't think he did a lot of genre work. So to have this in his bag of tricks, that's pretty impressive. I'll let you pronounce the director's name. No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. Uh, Akos von Rotteni. I'm mispronouncing that completely, I'm sure. Um, The thing is, is that when this was brought over to the States, like Steve kind of alluded to, there might have been some odd edits, you know, to kind of make it, more drive-in friendly since it was released as a double feature here. So there might have been some changes made. Uh, the name of the director was Americanized in the credits that I saw, the version that's available on Amazon Prime for streaming. If you look at the actual spelling of his name, there's all sorts of little umlauts and apostrophes and such that I just cannot pronounce. But Ekos von Rattany, the director, he really played with it. And I also really enjoyed... A lot of the way you said the editing seemed a little off sometimes. I enjoyed how some of the edits did work. There's one moment at the very beginning of the movie before we really kind of get to the opening credits when the inspector is being told what he's got to go do. And as he's leaving his boss's office, he's like, oh, and by the way, every time the murder happens, the power goes out. And he reaches and he turns off the light, plunging the room into darkness, which immediately transitions to a shot outside at night with him driving. And it's just a cool little edit, just a really cool little edit. And I liked a lot of the transitions in this movie. There are a handful of them that are like that. 
very smart filmmaking. I don't know if it's a European thing. I don't know if it was a happy accident, but it really worked. Yeah, I looked at his body of work, and he had done a number of films yeah. prior. To- mm-hmm. And so obviously he knew his craft. I had never seen any of his other work. No, not at all. I think this is probably one of the few that made it over here and and had a a wider distribution. I think Richard Gordon was involved in making sure it got released here in the States. And he he did bring a number of European movies over and maybe did some re-edits. I don't know. I don't know enough about Richard Gordon to know for sure, but... He did quite a bit of work. I've not seen any of it. I've not seen any of these other actors except for John Kitzmiller and anything else. Although, let me take that back. I think Karen Field was in Mill of the Stone Woman. I could be wrong on that, though. Okay, I'm going to cut in here real quick. I know that somebody from Cave of the Living Dead was involved in the movie Mill of the Stone Women. It's not this actress. I goofed. I'm going to blame it on lack of coffee at that point in the conversation when I was recording that morning with Steve. I, I don't know which person off the top of my head was involved in both films, but somebody was. Mill of the Stone Women is a cool little film that someday I'll talk about here on the show. Just not today, because we still have more conversation with Stephen Turk about Cave of the Living Dead. So let's get back to that now. I remember seeing her in Return of Shanghai Joe. Okay. I was going to say, some of these people did do some Westerns. Uh, She's in Return of Shanghai Joe. The guy who played the doctor is in a couple as well. I think the Bismarck is the only one I... I was looking at their films and looking at ones I'd seen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've seen them in Sink Sink the Bismarck. Um, The Inspector, Adrian Hoven. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen any of his other films, but I I put two of them down because I thought you might have seen them. You know, I'd, I'd have to double check again. Uh, the Doctor was in uh, The Last Gun and Doc Hands of Steel, which are a couple of interesting um, spaghetti westerns. But as far as the inspector goes... I can see you picking and watching the movie Scorpions and Miniskirts. Well, you know, it's a good title. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and um, I think I might have seen Succubus. Okay. Okay. Years ago, but I'd have to rewatch it to, to know for sure. Yeah, I I don't recognize. I mean, I think I recognize some of the titles, uh, Mark of the Devil. Like I recognize the title, but I don't know if I've seen the films. Now, the guy who played Professor von Eldersburg, Wolfgang Price, Price, Price. Sure. <laughs> um, they're not they're not monster movies, but I know I've seen The Longest Day, A Bridge Too Far, and The Boys from Brazil, and he's in all three of those. Yeah. So he seems to be the one that made it across the pond in more films that that, that the average person would know. Right. But I mean, obviously, obviously John Kitzmiller is is definitely one most people are going to know from Doctor No. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I really don't a lot because I'm looking them up and I'm just like because you're trying to figure out some connections. Right. Yeah. Some some touchstones here. Um, the maid Erica Rumberg was in uh, Circus of Horrors in 1960 which uh, has like Anton Differing in it and Yvonne Munlore in it. Pretty decent film. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but pretty decent film. I think Donald Pleasant's in that as well. So, I mean, she had some work, but she didn't have a lot to do in this film. Like I said, she, like we talked about, she's the maid and she gets murdered pretty quickly. We, we don't spend a lot of time with her, don't get to know her very well. What did you think of Nanny, the witch, the local witch, or is she a witch? The person who knows stuff. <laughs> I didn't look at her as a witch. As I looked at her as the... Um, like the shaman type yeah. of village where people can go to her and she knows the natural herbs and elements and, and pays attention to the legends and knows those different things. So I did not really look at her as being a witch yeah. per se. She might've been, by the way, I could not find this actress's name. You know, and uh, I mean, 
not to turn this into the IMDb podcast, but if you go to the IMDb, I, she's not listed, and I don't know why. I mean, she might be, I'm just not given credit as to who she was if you look at the credit list, if you look at the cast. I don't know who she was. I don't know who she was either, but I thought she was excellent. I enjoyed her, and again, the specter, Adrian Hoven, Hoven mm-hmm. um, the way he played the character, his interactions with virtually everybody else in the cast was very good. Yes. And, and, and his interaction with old nanny, him going there and not going with that, again, we both appreciated going open-minded to her because his goal is to solve the case. Yeah. And she gives him different things to help him out. Who knew? Until I saw this movie, there was things called anti-vampire powder. I need to get me some of that. <laughs> I mean, that's something we all need because this way, like, you know, like if you, my case, my wife, Karen, your wife, Brenda, you know, they get bit. If we could put the powder on them, then boom. That's right. No longer a vampire. <laughs> I need to get me some of that. Definitely. Um. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, that, that, that was the first time, probably the only time we've ever seen anti-vampire powder. <laughs> right. I mean, we've seen like Peter Cushing's Van Helsing cure himself by applying, you know, a hot fire poker to the wound. But I've never seen, okay, give me the body. Let's sprinkle it on real quick and she's fine. That's immediately, boom, she's okay. I think if I, if I remember seeing correctly, she was she was waking up with the teeth. Yep. She was she full on. Bang. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, man, she's already turned. And he went there and doom, doom, doom. That dad, little dad will do you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whatever works, you know, if, if you need the vampire powder, the anti-vampire powder, sign me up. I've never heard of it, but now I want to use that in a story somewhere or see that in a story somewhere. I think it'd be fun. And the sun did not destroy the vampire, a vampire. Yeah, I noticed that, the that too. Time, well, not the first, but when a few times they pulled her out of the Maria, you know, she, she turns into a vampire. She leaves where she was at and they ends up in the bottom of a well. Why? Who knows? Hey, it led to some cool imagery. Well, I mean, and again, it shows the inspector's fearlessness. He's like, no, no ladder. So he puts a big stick where the well's bucket is, and then they lower him down. <laughs> he, he, he's like, no question. There's, he knows there could be a vampire down there. Ah, let me take me down. Yep. <laughs> Goes straight down there and uh, sends another rope. They haul her up, and then she ends up rising again. So, you know, the sunlight didn't kill her. She was, they were carrying her around, and the sunlight, she didn't burn or anything. Like we said, with the electricity being like the, the vampires are EMPs, <laughs> sunlight doesn't kill them, but they don't function during it. And anti-vampire powder. Of course. Those are, those are three new things, but mirrors, they still don't show the reflection. Stake to the heart will do them in and crosses are definitely bad for them. So, so some things are kept and some things are different. It kind of reminds me of Captain Kronos where he encountered different vampires that had different abilities. Yeah. Here's fan fiction for you. Frank Doran, the inspector, is the ancestor of Captain Kronos. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Which is interesting because I think this movie came out, what, eight years prior to Captain Kronos? Yeah, Kronos is <laughs> 70s, but still. But still, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. This is awesome. That's awesome. I love that idea so much. I love the way the vampire goes at the end when he's staking the vampire. I mean, it takes like, what, three strikes with the mallet and the stake to, to take him out. And yep, three strikes, he's out. And, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. Um, I had to go there. I had to go there. Every time he hits the mallet, we cut back to the face of the vampire as he's being staked and the face is further and further 
just, uh, I don't know, disarray, not disarray, but uh, it's, it goes to fleshy and then the skull. When he's completely done, it explodes. It catches fire and explodes. It's wonderful. It's like, that's awesome. I don't know what their budget was, but it definitely was an effective effect. Yeah, oh, that, 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 that's terrible. <laughs> it was a good effect, effective effect. <laughs> that effect I'm was really effective. Good. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked really good. It looked really good. So one of the, the issues, I'm going to be honest, I had a couple of issues. I did. So did I. I feel like the movie did kind of drag a little bit in spots. I mean, there's some cool character stuff happening, but I did feel like it dragged a little bit. Uh, and I think that wasn't helped by the fact that there's not a consistent musical score. There's a lot of stuff in this movie where there's no music whatsoever. You got sound, you got dialogue and sound effects and, you know, Foley work and all this other stuff happening, but there's no real score accompanying a lot of what's happening. There is some creepy music that kicks in when some vampire stuff happens. And of course the opening credits and all, but overall, I I think I would have liked a little bit more music to kind of get me through. So it did slow down a little bit there for me. What's one of the issues you had? Well, Here's the interesting thing. There's been six murders in six months that sends the inspector out. And, of course, Maria being killed is number seven. Okay. How many vampires do we see? Three. We see the professor and we see two female vampires when they go to try to get the inspector when he's sleeping in the castle and he's saved by having his cross. Right. Then we never see the other female vampire again. (laughs) It's just Maria and the professor at the end. Huh. So what happened to these other six female vampires? Now, th- obviously, I think they all died because they explained that when you kill the, the master vampire, they're all going to go. But I think because of their budget, I think they must have had a low budget. They didn't have all the other female vampires. Okay. And that's part of me. I was wondering, like, was, were some things edited out, like, that were there other, which I can't imagine them editing out scenes with vampires. Yeah. But where, where did the other five go? Because we see the two females, and then where, where's that other female one go? You know, the part of me is thinking, like, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have, like, he's going to be going against seven female vampires. You know, it's like the seven golden vampires, but in a different way. That would have been cool. I, I thought it was, I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to when John and him went into the grotto the first time, and maybe they would encounter one or two of the female vampires. But definitely the second time to go in there, but they never did. It was. That was like the one part to me is like, where are the rest of the female vampires? That would have been really cool to see. Did you notice that? You know, it didn't even occur to me. I just was kind of caught up in how cool the inspector was, but that would have been a really neat kind of twist to the mix. Chris could leave room for a sequel, but again, when they when they explain when they killed the master and Maria died right away, then yeah, then almost, you can assume the other six all wanted their proper rest at that same point. Who knows? My brain's just spinning, man. Like I've got enough stories and things that I'm trying to put together and actually write for once. And uh, like, I need something else. <laughs> like, But now I want this inspector, this Interpol inspector in the sixties who gets sent to these little small towns that may or may not have working power all the time or a phone line, or there's only one car in the village inspecting these inspecting, ex- exploring, investigating these things. Huh? I really, I really wish this story would continue. I, yes. I agree with you with the music or the lack thereof. I did love the little theme music he had when he was driving his car and the other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sticks these music, which they put back on in the end. Yes. And when the power came back on his car, they had it going. So when it comes on, you're like, yes, 
sound. It was good sound. It was enjoyable. It fit the movie. It fit the inspector. It, it fit him in particular. Yeah, it felt like another nod to kind of like that Euro spy genre. That that kind of jazzy kind of music. I liked it a lot. I think it. I mean, for me to look at this, if you like spy movies that go a different direction, I look at this as like a. Even though he's an inspector, he's not a spy. I kind of look at it in that way. Like it's 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 a pseudo spy horror. Yeah, that's something we don't see enough of. I don't know if we have it. Do you know any other films? I was going to say, like I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but that's something we don't see enough of. <laughs> there's, there's a classic five question that will stomp people. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> What's your favorite spy horror film? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I do recommend it. I think people should check this one out. I think it's really interesting. It's got some really cool imagery, some interesting throwbacks to Nosferatu. And just if nothing else, it'll get your mind going. It'll spark your imagination when it comes to uh, spy movies and, and what they could have done if they decided to go the fantastical, the genre route with it. Am I going to track down more by this director? I don't know. I think a lot of it's going to be hard to find here in the States easily. I did kind of like the inspector though, you know, the Ad- Adrian Hoven character. I'd like to see maybe some more of his work, but I didn't like him. He was charismatic enough and you know, I dug him quite a bit. I enjoyed it. I always go by my, if I'm entertained, mm-hmm. it's a good movie. I was entertained. I started watching this movie on a Friday night, 1030 last night, and it didn't finish till around midnight. So I was tired. I was like, do I want to watch it now or do I want to put it off till the morning before you and I did the podcast? I was like, let me do it now. And there was that spot where it kind of dipped a little mm-hmm. and I was starting to think like, oh, did I make a bad choice? Because I was, I was fatigued. But then it was only for a little dip. Otherwise, it kept me it kept me awake, kept me moving. And, that, and that's the thing. I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the inspector. I, I enjoyed Karen, the assistant to the professor. Oh, she was great. There was things about her that were different than other females until they get to the spots where suddenly, I mean, she didn't faint or any of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Which which was good, but I mean, it, 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 so she wasn't as much as the helpless female as you see in the '60s a lot of times. You know, right. you, you know, people were put in. So I really enjoyed her role. I, I mean, they had some chemistry there. I think the kiss, as you said, it just came out of nowhere. But it's that, that's the typical thing you would see in those kind of films that those decades, the '50s, the '60s, all the kiss at the end, end credits. Yeah. But my favorite line was when John was saying to Doran when he's carrying Maria's body up at the very end, the last line in the movie, I'm sure it's one of your favorites too. You don't believe in vampires. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I said, I gotta remember that quote. That was like, you don't believe in vampires. I do. The more we talk about this, despite a few bits here and there kind of dipping for me, the more I really like this movie, Steve, you picked a winner here, man. We were going through trying to figure out which ones we both had not seen. And mm-hmm. um, and John Kitzmiller and the inspector, those two carried the film, especially the inspector. Oh, it, it, he's great. And if you have Amazon Prime, it's free. Yeah. I mean, technically it's not free. You're paying for Amazon Prime, but you can download it, watch it. It's, it's uh, you know, it, it'll be an entertaining. I can't remember how many minutes it was. Was it 80 minutes? Yeah, it wasn't too long. And check this out. Okay. Even if you don't have Amazon Prime and can't stream it, the DVD is ten bucks, nine ninety eight, and it's part of the Euroshock collection, which uh, is also the same collection that put out Tomb of Torture, which I also would recommend. 
a little bit different type of movie. <laughs> Not exactly like this one of the two. I like this one better, but I do kind of want to go back and watch Tomb of Torture now just to kind of see how they compare and hold up. I've never seen Tomb of Torture. You know, it's it's pretty good. There's some interesting stuff in it, but I do like this one quite a bit. And uh, man... I'm not going to be able to write it. I don't have time. I'm in the middle of a, a novella project right now that may or may not be done by Monster Bash. But if somebody else out there, I know we have a lot of writers on the show. Somebody go write me the further adventures of an inspector like this. All right. I want to read it. <laughs> or I heck, mean, if you got the money, go make the movie. I'll, I'll, I'll watch a movie. of it. Oh, I'll watch a movie too. And this could be something, you know, there's a certain filmmaker who does little mashups of different things on low budgets in Minnesota. And there's one down in Texas, too. I'm just saying. One down in Texas also. Um, I could see a certain person in Minnesota, you know, Christopher Mim, doing something where he could take this inspector or the spy thing and make it with the monsters. And then you have an ongoing character. And if, you know, if he likes, he likes, he doesn't, he doesn't. I know once we suggest it to him, it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually started doing his post-apocalyptic Western thing, his Western, right? And that was how long in the... Yeah. I'm so looking forward to that because I like spaghetti westerns and I like mm-hmm. like um, apocalyptic movies like A Boy and His Dog, which I know you probably see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what he's, you know, what he's coming out with and stuff like that. And uh, speaking of those two, you know, everybody, you know, try to support your local movie maker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, it doesn't cost much. And then you're like, oh, nobody puts out movies I like. If you like their movies, support them. You know, and then then you get then you get the movies that you, you know from filmmakers that you're enjoying. I mean, not not every film needs a hundred million dollar budget, right? It just needs love and dedication. Yeah, love, dedication, a little bit of patience. Oh, I know. I'm looking forward to um, all their films that are coming out. The, the House of Gorgon uh, with all the Hammer ladies showing up, and I've met I've met all I met all three of them. I'm looking forward to seeing their film work. I'm going to sit on the story for now because you're going to hear about it later in a future episode of MKR. Yeah, something kind of special happened with Caroline and Martine while they were on set. That's all I'm going to say. And, and me. Leave it at that. I wasn't there on set, but yeah, anyway. We call that a tease. Now, that's, that's, <laughs> and you'll hear about it. I have a, an upcoming episode with Dan Day Jr., who was also on set. So we are going to get the story of what happened on set on production of house of the Gorgon from Dan day jr. Here on a future episode of MKR. We got to hear, I get to hear all about it and it'll make everybody jealous that they weren't there on set as well. Can't be everywhere. I know. But the thing is, is like, it just, those ladies are so nice. Carolyn Monroe and Martine Bestwick and Veronica Carlson. They're just, they're, they're really good people. And, um, but you get a chance to talk to, I got to meet Veronica Carlson twice. It was once a monster bash last year and at, at mid Atlantic nostalgia convention. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago is when I met all three of them, and uh, they're just they're just really nice down there people. Obviously, they're they're still doing films because they just love acting, you know. And yeah. that's the great thing about some people will say like with Lon Chaney Jr. People will make fun of his end work or whatever, or, or John Carradine, or like why is he in this? They just love to act, you know. And, and they just, they just don't say no. They're like, oh, you want me? I'll do it. They're, they're there were always working actors all the way up to the end. Boris Karloff, same thing, you know. Bela Lugosi, they were working actors all the way to the end. Some yeah. of them had to do it for the check, but a lot, of, but some of them did it. They just did it for the love of it. 
Yeah, they had to do it for the check, but how lucky are they that there were things that they could do for the check, that things that they loved doing, right? They were still able to make film. They were still able to act. And that's wonderful. That's great. And they left us uh, one heck of a legacy. How did we get to this topic? How did we get from Cave of the Living Dead to <laughs> this? I have no idea. Uh, Cave of the Living Dead, go see it. Uh, as Steve said, support your local monster filmmaker. Looking forward to Monster Bash. Uh, what else do we need to say before we wrap up here? The poll. We need to mention the poll. Yes, Fred the Whelp. You know, if you, if you do the poll, forward the link to other friends of yours. Make sure mm-hmm. that everybody is getting the chance to do it. It's open all the way to May 15th. Don't mm-hmm. wait to May 15th to do it. Start hitting the polls are, you know, early. It opened up last week. Yeah, don't do not do what I did with the Rondos and wait till the last day to send in your ballot. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Uh, anyway, head over to monsterkidradio.net and right across the top, there's a whole bunch of different options there, like a little menu beneath the monster portraits. Annual Monster Poll 2018, right there. It takes you to the Google Doc, the form that you can fill out. We're looking for your top 20 favorite monster movies up through the end of 1967. Doesn't have to be the best, just what your favorite monster movies are, and you decide what a monster movie is. Does Psycho belong on the list? Does The Birds belong on the list? Does Peeping Tom belong on the list? It's up to you. You decide if it's a monster movie and throw it in the mix. Of course, we want to know your age group, your age range, uh, your sex, just for demographic purposes. And bonus round for this year's poll, your five favorite Vincent Price films. Doesn't matter what year. Not only what year. It does not even have to be monster related. Yeah, doesn't matter. It could be anything. And... I don't. Was this by design? Because Victoria Price is at Monster Bash this year. That you decided to go yeah. in surprise. I can't remember if we talked about that. Yeah, we said because Victoria Price was there, we thought it would be good to do what Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah, and we are going to announce the results. I will have the results at Monster Bash, and then the episode that goes out the week after Monster Bash, I'll have the results on that episode of the podcast as well. So that'll be coming up. And the only thing to add when you're doing your favorite monster movies, please put the year of the movie because some of them like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde have multiple versions. You can do multiple versions of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but just mm-hmm. make sure you put the year on. Otherwise I'll have no idea. I have gotten a few responses where somebody says the Frankenstein monster, or all of them, and that, that makes it tough. So if you could please pick a particular film that you prefer the monster in, that'd be great. We're looking for monster movies, not monsters. So, you can say House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, you know? Well, Frankenstein month movies, all of them. I mean, then you got into, oh, man, because you're talking only, only Universal, or then you start going off Universal. It's, it's, mm-hmm. That opens up. That's that, that could be 20 movies right there. Exactly. But just Frankenstein in the title. Yeah, so please, I mean, <laughs> if you love all the Frankenstein, yeah, but could you please list them Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, <laughs> House of Frankenstein. Exactly. It, it makes that, because I'm the one doing the data. Please. Exactly. Make Steve's job easier. Job. Ha. Make Steve's task easier. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the monster kid minions. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Steve, this has been a fun episode. I really enjoy recording with you, man. I appreciate it. Well, I enjoy it too. And um, I think this this is a, this is going out after the rally episode. You know, actually, I'm kind of changing things up a little bit. Uh, this is actually going out this week. Oh, it's what's going to happen before the rallies. Yeah, it is. I'm changing it up. Well, I know that I'm going to put this out. It's 1954 is the year of the rallies that he's mm-hmm. going to be doing the movies for. <laughs> There's two movies that will be battling out head to head. Uh-oh. Creature the Black Lagoon and Godzilla or Gojira. Both for monster and movie. Now, I know Monster Kid Radio is tries to be fair and unbiased, but I believe 
is a bias show on Creature the Black Lagoon a little bit because of its host. He can't help it. He bleeds creature blood. I don't blame him for that. That's his choice. It's his show. <laughs> I just want to make sure we get a little bit of fairness for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Don't don't be swayed by the host. Vote your heart if you think Godzilla or Gojira is the best monster or best movie. Vote for him, but don't vote often. You only have one vote each. Don't we don't want we're, we don't want to be illegal here. We want to win fair and square over Creature the Black Lagoon. If Creature the Black Lagoon wins, I'll tip my kaiju hat to him and cry in my Godzilla pillow. <laughs> but I just want to make sure that Godzilla gets a fair shake at the rallies. <laughs> Come on. You know I love Godzilla, man. I mean, yes, Creature's my guy. But you know I love Godzilla. I, I'm not going to skew it one or the other. I'm real curious to see how it turns out. You know, it's, I'm excited to see what, what happens. I know. I just wanted to get a pro Godzilla message out there. <laughs> pro Godzilla. <laughs> this message has been paid for by. <laughs> this message was not endorsed or paid for by Godzilla because Godzilla doesn't need to do such things. Because <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla doesn't have money. That's what. He... <laughs> um, well, Godzilla actually just think about it. he could charge Tokyo. I want to thank you this month if you pay me this amount. <laughs> hey, there's a racket, right? It could be why he ended up att- going to California with Legendary. Hey, there you go. There you go. Tokyo finally paid up the protection dues. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But they didn't pay up enough. He ended up sending us the Godzilla from 1998. You know, <laughs> oh, with, no. You know, it was like the little Zilla thing. And it's, uh, I know a lot of people pick on Godzilla Final Wars, but one of my favorite scenes is when Godzilla beats at Zilla from the 1998 movie and just takes him out with a flick of the tail. Yeah. And I was just like. Yeah, that, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, I think that's happened in a comic book too, didn't it? That they they had Godzilla take out Zilla or Gino, Godzilla in name only, at one point. So, <laughs> like, I'm such a Godzilla fan. I even have the comic book Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. Yeah, we know which way Steve's going to vote in the rallies. <laughs> I'm canceling that your vote, Derek. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Pretty much. Nah, man. It's going to be up to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it turns out, but that'll be coming up here soon. Steve, once again, thank you for doing this. Uh, I, such, so much fun. I think this will probably be the last time you're on the show before Monster Bash, uh, but I'm sure you and I will be in touch. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Monster Bash. I mean, it's going to be just a lot of fun helping you at your table and a meeting, like we said, Victoria Price. I don't know much about the, um, the Bowery Boys, but I saw there on Amazon Prime. So I'm going to be watching a few of their films prior to it just to get an idea yeah um what what they're like who knows i might have seen one or two of these films growing up i just don't realize i've seen one with bela lugosi and that's about it so i'm excited to kind of check some of them out too and isn't there two of them with bela lugosi yeah and i don't remember which one i saw (laughs) well i guess you just have to watch both darn like i have to watch another bela lugosi film i know it's gonna kill you bummer (laughs) (laughs) all right steve thanks again man no problem thanks for having me on Big thanks to Steven Turek for bringing this movie to my attention. I really enjoyed it. I had a fun time discussing it with him, and man, the wheels are just spinning in my head. There needs to be more international spy flavor stories mixed with our beloved monsters. We need more of that in the world. So somebody please do that because I want to read it. As Steve said, we have the annual monster poll. Head over to monsterkidradio.net. Click on the link there. It's right across the top. You can't miss it. And just let us know what your top 20 favorite monster movies are from the beginning of time through 1967. The deadline is May 15th. Steve's going to take all that data. And I'm real curious to see how this turns out. 
a lot of this was his idea, and I really think it's going to be a cool thing if we can do it year after year just to kind of see how tastes evolve and that sort of thing. So please participate in that. I did make some announcements about upcoming themed months. I think everybody knows now at this point that next month, May, is Lucha de Mayo. I did it again. Lucha de Mayo. It's going to be nothing but luchador monster movies. But trust me, even if you're not a fan of the luchador, there's still some great monster content. So that's happening next month in May. In August, another theme month, Edgar August Poe, where we're going to be talking about nothing but Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. And I've got Larry Underwood, Dr. Gang Green, on board for at least one of these movies. And uh, Dr. Drek is on board for another one. So Michael Edgy, Larry Underwood. Monster Kid Radio veterans, I love having them on the show. I can't wait to share their insights on these Edgar Allan Poe films with you guys and gals. And then at the end of the year, Dan Sember, when we do Dan Curtis movies on TV, that is going to be so much fun as well. So stay tuned for all of that. In between all of that, of course, it's Monster Kid Radio as usual. Thanks again, Steve. And I can't wait to see you again in person at this year's Monster Bash. Filmed on a spectacular scale in breathtaking Technicolor, here is the bone-chilling motion picture the critics have called a classic shocker, The Mill of the Stone Mill. Why do beautiful young women suddenly turn to stone? Against this eerie background, a twisted mind has plotted a series of sadistic events you wouldn't believe possible until you see them. It's a corpse. Handsome Pierre Brice and Europe's fabulous new star, the extravagantly beautiful Sheila Gabel. They say that trouble began with a woman, and you'll see why in the terrifying Mill of the Stone Women. You've never seen anything like the Mill of the Stone Women, for until now, no one has dared tell such a shocking story on the motion picture screen. The Stone Women is the entertainment event of a lifetime. Don't miss the mill of the stone women. They're dead. But they're alive. As religious rites become obscene orgies. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing together. In Count Dracula and his vampire bride. 
the king of the undead marries the queen of the zombies. On this, the eve of the undead, I call upon you to witness my supreme trial. Van Helsing, the body of your granddaughter will never be corrupted. And the devil himself is exorcised. My revenge has spread over centuries and has just begun! Christopher Lee. Peter Cushing. The ultimate power is revealed as the two masters of Venice grapple for the souls of the living and the dead. Like I said at the top of the show, uh, as of this recording, they were about to announce the winners of this year's Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. I stalled a little bit so I could find out who the winners were. I thought I'd run down the list real quick and give a shout out to some of the friends of Monster Kid Radio. The Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards is designed to honor the best in classic horror scholarship and fandom. This is... uh, I lost track of how many years they've been doing it, but it's an amazing thing. It's really cool. The ballot is... One of the things I look forward to every year because it's such a, a, an amazing shopping list of magazines and books and DVDs and Blu-rays and columns and, and just all sorts of great uh, Monster Kid stuff. So without further ado, I'm just going to go through the list here and I'll pause every once in a while to give a shout out to some of our friends here on the show. Best film went to the movie The Shape of Water. Best TV went to Stranger Things. Uh, the best DVD Blu-ray release went to Suspiria, which also swept the best restoration category, the best DVD or Blu-ray extra category, and the best commentary track category. Now, the best commentary track, uh, some of our friends from the Nasha cast, Rod Barnett and Troy Gwynn, were up for an award there. They came in fourth place. So... Best Independent Film, The Devil's Candy, took that award. However, friends of the show, Christopher R. Mim and Joshua Kennedy, did place Demon with the Atomic Brain, which is Chris's movie, came in third. And Theseus and the Minotaur, which is Josh Kennedy's movie, co-written by Stephen D. Sullivan, came in fifth. Best Short Film was Kong, Steel in Love. Best Documentary was Monster Kids, and I reached out to the filmmaker behind that to congratulate him, but also ask if he'd be interested in coming on to the show, and he seems very interested, so that's exciting. I want to see that Monster Kids documentary. Best Book went to The Art of Horror Movies by Stephen Jones. Best Classic Horror Magazine went to Scary Monsters Magazine. Modern Magazine went to Rue Morgue. Now, best article went to the epic untold saga of Frankenstein, the true story. This was an article written by Sam Irvin, who I met at last year's Monster Bash. Really sweet guy, and it's an incredible article. Over 100 pages devoted to uh, the true story of Frankenstein. Second place was Steve Vertlieb's piece on Robert Block, and that is an amazing article. I'll try to find a link to that to put in the show notes because I know he posted it online. Uh, it's pretty moving. Really, really cool. I'm going to skip over best column. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to save the best for last. I'm just going to say it now. Best columnist, Dr. Gang Green. 
dear friend of the show. Going to be on the show again later this year. I, I can't get enough of Dr. Gangreen. So congratulations to Larry Underwood for winning the best columnist category and adding another rondo to your sagging from all the well-deserved rondos uh, shelf, I guess. A uh, best cover goes to Scott Jackson's Dracula cover for Scary Monsters Magazine, issue number 105. Best website went to Birth, Death, Movies, and the best multimedia category, which is the category for, well, Monster Kid Radio, podcasts, video sites, things like that. That actually went to the Twilight Zone podcast, which I have to say I'm not overly familiar with, but congratulations to them. Monster Kid Radio did come in fourth in this category, so thank you to anybody who supported Monster Kid Radio this year. Best convention went to Monster Bash. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Come on. All right, best live event went to Ray Harryhausen's Mythical Menagerie in, did I say that right? Menagerie in Oklahoma. Uh, the best horror host went to Sven Gulli. Best comic book, and I was actually kind of surprised by this, went to My Favorite Thing is Monsters. Cool, I want to check that thing out. Best CD went to Hammer Horror Themes, a compilation release that came out. Best writer went to Patrick McRae. He writes for the Colin Sport Dark Shadows website. Best fan artist was David G. Hardy, which is somebody that I did meet at last year's Monster Bash as well. Sweet guy and some really cool artwork. Monster Kid of the Year went to Tim Lanza, who's an executive at Cohen Media. He's the man who spearheaded the restoration of the classic James Whale film, The Old Dark House. And finally, Hall of Fame. No, Riku Browning did not make it again this year, so we'll have to try again next year for that. This year, let's celebrate the inductees. There's six of them. Elvira, June Foray, Haro Nakajima, Greg Nicotero, Robert Taylor, and Mike Hill. I have met two of these people in real life, and they're both awesome. Elvira is great. Greg Nicotero was really cool when I met him years ago. I have had interactions with Robert Taylor online. He's actually the person that kind of helps Sarah Karloff get around. And Mike Hill is just an incredible filmmaker, special effects man, and sculptor. Congratulations to all the Rondo Award nominees and all the winners. This is uh, a sweet year. I'm actually kind of surprised by some of the people who took home the wins. Not because it wasn't deserving, just I was surprised to see Suspiria sweep, for example. Just not something that I normally associate with Monster Kids. Although Frank Schildener and I have agreed that at some point this year we will be talking about that movie here on the show. Thanks again to everybody who helped support Monster Kid Radio and put us on the ballot and help us take fourth in the best multimedia category. And I can't wait to see how the ballot looks next year. Hey, kids. Woo! Looky what I got for you. A free Rasputin beard as you enter the theater to shiver at the greatest double scare pair anywhere. Rasputin the Mad Monk <laughs> and the Reptile, both in color from 20th Century Fox. Look out, Street. Here they come. The evil that men do lives after them. Beware. 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 From beyond the grave comes blood-freezing horror as an ancient curse brings paralyzing terror to all who know the terrible secret of... The Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake. Learned how to destroy you, Zurich. With a gun? 
know how futile that would be. Since you know that I'm dead, you know that you can't kill me. Don't what did I do? Hello everyone, I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are your hosts for Cast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashi. We, for over five years, have brought you the joys of Spanish cinema, filtered through our brains to you. Yes, now what is it that qualifies two southern boys to talk about films that came out of Spain, and I can't think of a single thing. There's nothing that qualifies. Nothing. nothing. Except that we just love, love them, love them, love them. We love them. Nashi we, Cast yeah. covers the films of Paul Nashi and any other Spanish horror film that we can pretend we know something about. Uh, yes. If you love beautiful women wearing incredibly short miniskirts in subarctic temperatures, <laughs> chased by werewolves in leisure suits. If you love werewolves, vampires, unidentifiable beasts, or crazy people driving women around and talking like a maniac. <laughs> yes, flying cats, beheadings with axes. <laughs> Blood that looks Shem- like melted crayons. Shambling zombies, yeah. Some of the films that we've covered in the past are Mark of the Werewolf. How of the Devil. Vengeance of the Zombies. Horror Rises from the Tomb. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Vampire's Night Orgy. Oh, Yes. Join us on this journey through the golden age of Spanish horror where Paul Nashi, Leon Klamowski, Jess Franco, Amando Diasorio take us through a filter Espanol. Join us for the Nashi cast. Journey into double terror with the late night double feature with X, the fiend from beyond space and the wall people. A crew of interstellar explorers must fight an unstoppable alien fiend from beyond space, hell-bent on consuming them all. Will they survive? Can they survive? And on the same program, a man must fight to save his only child from the clutches of strange invaders who use their advanced technologies to steal sleeping children through their bedroom walls. Are your children safe? Two terrors to tear you apart in the late night double feature. Hi, Derek. My name is Jerry Green, and I just wanted to let you know how much I love Monster Kid Radio. I've been listening for the past few months, and you make Thursdays really a day that I look forward to. Your love of this genre, it really just shines through. Uh, your guests are terrific, and you're, you're a really good interviewer. I love, I love uh, looking forward to Thursdays uh, to hear your show. I was a Monster Kid back in the olden days. I watched Creature Feature on WNEW here in uh, New York City back in, what is this, 1970, give or take, or so. And then Chiller Theater. Uh, my favorite monster flick has always been Dracula, and Bela Lugosi is just the man for me. 
of course, I love Karloff. And uh, in fact, my dad met him. My dad was in a, a school performance of Arsenic and Old Lace, and they took the cast, the school took the cast to see Karloff, who was performing in the same play on Broadway. And uh, they went backstage and met him. And uh, on the one hand, I wish it was me. But on the other hand, I know I probably would have embarrassed myself. I would have been out of my mind if it was me. Um, you know, your show has turned me on to some movies that I cannot believe I've never seen. Uh, that movie House that you talked about, that was terrific. I really enjoyed that. Dracula's Daughter, The Black Room, Karloff was unbelievable in that movie. I, you know, his acting is just amazing. Uh, I really enjoyed The Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake. And I never would have watched The Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism without your recommendation. And I really enjoyed it. If there's any one thing, though, that uh, I just, you know, I wanted to thank you for was turning me on to The Return of the Vampire. I cannot believe I'd never seen that movie. And I enjoyed it so much. It's one of my top, it may be in my top five um, horror movies of all time. I just loved it. You, you, know, you also talk about uh, other movies that I've always loved. The Black Cat, Island of Lost Souls, uh, Abbott and Costello Me Frankenstein, of course. Uh, Mad Monster Party, which I saw in one of your uh, back, issue, back uh, episodes, which was terrific. Um, a, another movie that I like, uh, I like some of those folk horror movies, and The Blood on Satan's Claws, another one of my favorites. Um, after I was about nine or so, I wandered off the Monster Kid bandwagon, and I got into other things, music, sci-fi, uh, noir movies, uh, comic books. I have a couple of comic book podcasts I do and all kinds of stuff like that. But a few times a year since then, I get the Monster Kid fever and I tear into some of my favorites. I've been inching along all the Dark Shadows episodes from uh, starting from when Barnabas was introduced. And I'm currently in the Leviathan story arc, which I think a lot of people are stuck in the Leviathan story arc. But, you know, uh, someday I'll finish them off. But I don't know if I'm going to be happy or sad to be through with them. It's, uh, it's uh, I really love Dark Shadows. I don't have the thorough knowledge of monster movies that you and your guests do, but I love having some gems around the house for when the mood strikes. I've got the 100 movie pack uh, horror classics from Mill Creek. And I've, you've mentioned Mill Creek before, and I was wondering if you could give other recommendations uh, of collections like it. Uh, I'd love to expand my collection and, uh, uh, you know, of those, you know, maybe not so classic horrors. Um, and I just wanted to also just thank you and all your guests for all you do. And uh, by the way, Brenda is awesome. I love hearing her on the show. Uh, and uh, I think it's terrific uh, your, your back and forth between the two, between you two. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make Monster Bash. Probably not. It sounds great, but, you know, life happens. But I will be there in spirit and hope to meet you at a convention somewhere someday and play the Classic Five with you. Um, though, you know, some of the questions are head scratchers for me. Uh, have a wonderful day, and I will hear you on Thursday. Thanks. So, Jerry, send me that MP3 at monsterkidradio at gmail.com on Thank you uh, for sending that in. That's awesome. I, I love some Bela Lugosi films. Uh, I love me some Bela. I'm on Team Bela 100%. Love my Boris Karloff. I love it all. But Lugosi is my man. And I'm so glad that I got you interested in watching The Return of the Vampire. That is one of his best films. It's one of the best vampire films from the classic era. 
I adore it. I wish there was more with the Lady Jane Ainsley character. Uh, it's just a fantastic, fantastic movie. And I'm glad there's so many other movies, too, that we've introduced you to. You know, that's one of the things that I strive to do here on Monster Kid Radio is every once in a while, you know, we want to bring something in that people may not have heard of before. Like this week's movie, for example, Cave of the Living Dead. How many people have heard of this movie but never seen this film? I'm really excited to have talked about it here on the show and maybe I can get some other people to watch it and hopefully they'll enjoy it. Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake, solid film as well, man. I really dug that one. And again, I'm so glad that you checked it out. And thank you for listening. You know, that's really a big part of it. I mean, you're a podcaster too. So knowing that there's somebody else out there uh, who's enjoying what you're doing and and engaging with the content and and finding inspiration in the content to maybe go find another movie to enjoy or get inspired to pursue some other uh, monster kid stuff. I mean, that's amazing to me. So thank you for listening in and sending that in to let me know what you think. And listeners, I'm going to play a promo for one of his podcasts. In the promo, he mentions the Bat Books for Beginners podcast. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that. I think it's over at thebatmanuniverse.net. But again, I'll make sure there's a link over there to find that. I'll also make sure there's a link to professorfrenzy.com, although it's easy to find. It's professorfrenzy.com. Jerry, thank you again for sending that in. Really appreciate it. And uh, with that... Hello, I'm Jerry. And I'm Chris. We are the hosts of the podcast Bat Books for Beginners. We both love Batman comics. And we like other comics too. Comics that don't get the attention that the Cape Crusader gets. We want to bring attention to our favorite indie and small publisher comics. Some of it will be weird. Some of it will be wild. But great storytelling can come from anywhere. So we started a brand new podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show. On the Professor Frenzy Show, we will share some of our favorite indie comic books with you. Search for us on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are found. We hope you will search, subscribe, download, listen, and join in on the fun. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show. So I'm going to transition over to uh, some written emails, some feedback that we got. But before we do that... Brenda, uh, you've got fans out there. People love hearing you on the show. Aww, uh, we we so heard nice. that in a previous voicemail just now. And yeah, people love you, man. Wait, what did the voicemail say? Just that you're awesome. Just having you on the show is awesome. And, and you'll get to read some more of that too in the emails that you have over there. Should we talk about our setup and why you sound so different? <laughs> <laughs> I hope this works. <laughs> so Brenda has the most angelic, soothing smooth voice and it's it's so magical that modern technology has a hard time picking it up so when she records we have to uh, make sure that her gain her input is really really high and because i'm loud and boisterous and that's what i do you are bombastic bombastically i take over her microphone too and the way the audio program works it makes me sound very echoey and distant and concert hall like which is not the effect we're going for you've probably noticed it in previous episodes i'm trying real hard to to find a workaround We'll see what happens. Brenda is... On a couch. In the other room. 
But I can see you. Yeah. But I think the funniest part is you're trying to be quiet, rightfully so, because we're trying to get around this issue. And it's like you can't do it. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. She's you over gotta, there. You got to like get small. Yeah. <laughs> She's over there like putting her finger up like, shh, stop. Bring it down. Lower down. Lower down. Anyway. Aw, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you do just naturally go bigger and louder do you talk like that like when you're at a movie theater and you're meeting with people when i'm doing an introduction yeah yeah yeah. to a movie but how about like when you're you must talk like that when you're recording on the zoom afterwards right yes Yes. what do people think when you get so loud and bombastic i don't have the i don't know i just it's it's a thing it's who you are it's like like you're unaware of having created almost like a personality but it's you but it's just louder i don't i yeah i mean it's it's who i am i don't know it's not i don't know and i think that in day-to-day stuff i don't talk so quietly but i do when i pick up the phone and i used to get teased at work a lot because they would say brenda's on the phone it's her therapist voice oh <laughs> <laughs> And so I had to consciously work on getting louder, but somehow in front of the microphone. Yes. Well, let's see what happens. Well, it's an experiment. We'll see what happens. Okay. So we have some emails that I don't even have in front of me. I, I assume they're in the right order I want them to be in. So I, I folded them in the order you gave them to me. Okay. All right. Hi, Derek. I Hi. was. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I forget every time. Hi, Derek. Oh, yeah, we already did that part. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to your podcast with Joshua Kennedy that referenced the reptile. I caught it on Amazon for 99 cents. Loved it. However, there's a question I can't seem to find the answer to. I thought maybe you would know or have a source. What is the wine served by the father? I don't know. (laughs) Wednesday's got something to say about this. She's saying Merlot. Merlot. I don't think that's what it was in the movie. Okay, so what is the wine served by the father? It is white colored, white like milk, not white like a white wine. I can find no reference to what wine this is. It looks like pastis, pastis or ouzo, neither of which is a wine. Any info appreciated. Love your podcast, Reber Clark. It was milk of the poppy, clearly. Milk of the poppy. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is to this. I did reach out to Joshua Kennedy and asked him, and he just assumed it was milk. I also asked Stephen E. Sullivan, uh, who's also a, a hammerhead and, and knows this stuff, and he didn't know. He said he might reach out to some people and, and see if he can find out more. I don't know why I just assumed it was milk myself. I mean, it is a reptile, and it's got, you know, venom. You kind of milk a snake's. Venom teeth thing. Fangs, honey. Those are fangs. Fangs. They are called fangs. (laughs) Yes. So I I just assumed it was milk, but I don't really know. Reber Clark is, uh, you know, you asked if we're going to give last names, and it's cool because we've had him on the show, like, Mm. I think once at a Lovecraft Film Festival. You've heard his music. He's a composer. Oh. And he's really, really good. He's done a lot of work with the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Mm. So those Dark Adventure Radio Theater CDs. A lot of that music is him. And it's fantastic. You can find him at ReberClark.com. He also has a Bandcamp page where a lot of his music is available Mm -hmm. to pick up real cheap. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes. I want to have him on the show at some point full on. In fact, it was him that made me aware of Randy Bowser, 
who was the person who did the Frankenstein one-man show, the Boris Karloff one-man show. Oh. He and Randy are friends. So I thought that was kind of – it's just cool. Small world and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? But Reber's a cool guy. I definitely want to have him on the show down the line, but I, I don't know about the, the drink. So do they refer to it as wine? I don't think they actually refer to it. It's just kind of there. It, oh. It's part of the scene. So does it look like it comes out of a wine bottle? Why does Reber think it's wine? Well, because they're serving it with a dinner. Like a formal, you know, gothic kind of dinner kind of thing. But you think they milked reptiles fangs? I don't. I'm just, I don't think they milked a reptile to make <laughs> I was going to say it's a lot of milk. But it makes visual sense that it would have, I don't know, because there is this reptile to just throw one more thing to the scene to kind of imply what's going on in the movie. I, I don't know. I, mm. I really don't know. Listeners, if you have any ideas... Yeah. about this it would be amazing to have you write in to monsterkidradio at gmail.com or you can call into the voicemail line and leave me a voicemail i don't remember the number off the top of my head <gasps> uh, the voicemail line is 503-479-5657 reber thank you for writing in man and we need to get you on the show proper all right okay this is really weird i am playing mkr back catalog shows listening to horror of the blood monsters I'm listening to you talk to Tom, and you ask him about how was Crypticon, and I'm like, cool. And then he mentioned my wife, Mona. I'm like, snap, I know these guys. Okay, can I interrupt? Because I know he capitalized that. I want to hear you say it the way he typed it. I, I want I want the oomph. Give it to me with feeling. I want to feel it. All right, I had to take a drink. Okay. All right. <laughs> Perhaps now. <laughs> So this is Tom and Mona that we're, they're right. talking about. And, and he's like... And you were interviewing Tom about Crypticon? Well, I just asked him how it was. Yeah. So the person who's writing in, Mark, he's like, cool. All right. And then once you mentioned my wife, Mona, I'm like, snap! Yeah. Snap! <laughs> <laughs> I know these guys and have been friends with them for something like 20 years, maybe more. To make this even more surreal, they were both in my shop visiting earlier today and Mona picked up some creature stuff I have in stock. I always thought I was the Kevin Bacon of Portland. I think I may have to bow down to you, sir. <laughs> I feel so funky now. <laughs> Best, Mark. I'm sure. Okay, so Mark is... Dr. Tongue. Yes. He is the man behind the Dr. Tongue's. I had that shop, but you can find it <laughs> drtongtoys.com. And it's a DR, tongtoys.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Mark is cool. Uh, actually, that was the store that I took Scott to when Scott and Tracy Morris were visiting. And we Wait, went over there. So I've been there too, right? No. Oh. Nope. This was something the boys did while the girls stayed home and did something else. I don't know what we I mean, did. did each what other's hair or had a pillow fight or something. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> talking about the cute boys in class. I don't oh, jeez! Did each other's hair, pierced each other's hair. We probably talked shit about the boys. Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> doctortongtoys.com is where you're going to want to go. So, Mark is uh, somebody that I've been wanting to have on the show in a while, and he's going to be next month during Lucha de Mayo. 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 Just think, not Mayo. No. Not mayonnaise. I Not keep screwing that up. Not the topping. It's mayo. Lucha de Mayo, which is where we're going to be doing Luchador monster movies. I talked about that earlier in the show. And Mark's going to come on. We're going to talk about uh, two 
luchador monster movies, bonafide monster movies, lots of monsters, some Dracula. There's some time travel in one of them. Wait, are there luchadors? (laughs) (laughs) Are the monsters luchadors? Is the time traveler a luchador? What if it's a time traveling luchador? Well, it kind of, you'll, you'll have to watch the movie with me to find out, honey. Does he have to be in the wrestling ring? To time travel? I, you'll have to watch the movie. What if Christine. it's time traveling machine? Oh, what if it's just his mask? You'll have puts to it watch on the movie. <laughs> you will have to watch the movie with me to find out. All will be revealed no. next month during Lucha Dumb No, Mayo. I just want the TLDR, please. No, no. no the TLDR is you're going to sit down and watch this movie with no, me. No, oh, I'm yeah. not. You're going to watch it together while we're wearing my Luchador masks. <laughs> that would be amazing. That sounds really uncomfortable. But awesome. Mm. Can, can we put the little one on Wednesday? Yes. Sue, you've <laughs> probably heard during this section of the show, she's very talkative and vocal and kind of wants to play a little bit. She makes those little coopers while she picks up a toy and drags it around because she plays fetch with us. Yes. <laughs> so she picks... I didn't tell you this. When I went, when you went to bed last night, she pulled a toy out from the back bedroom. That curly toy... That rectangle one and then this stick fleecy that we use, she had them all in a pile right here and was just laying next to it, like happy and content. Look (laughs) at the treasure in my cave. (laughs) So that's exactly how I am about all the monster movies I've got. Mm. I can just lay them all out and and just in a circle and (laughs) nestle down and mm, in a luchador mask. We don't we have some monster themed cat toys from... From Terry, from yes, that terrific. Terry yep. Mount. Yes. Yep. Anyway, Mark, thank you for writing. <laughs> oh, We're all over the place here. So have you ever gotten creature stuff from him? No, unfortunately, I've only been to the store the one time. Now, I've chatted with him, you know, on mm-hmm. Facebook and that sort of thing. But I've only been to the store the, to the uh, excuse me, only been to the store the one time. Uh, we live out in the Beaverton side of things. His store is not. On the Beaverton <laughs> side of things. Are you, do you just stick in Beaverton? Well, I'm just saying it's it's a little bit more complicated than just hopping in the car and going down to the comic book shop. Oh. In terms of like lo- uh, his location. That said, you can buy stuff from his website. Mm. So I think I'm hearing you give me permission to spend money on his website. <laughs> Is that what I just heard? Because if I that's think, the case... I think Mona just bought all the cool stuff, though. This email came in a couple weeks ago. I'm sure oh, there's sure more you're stuck now. back up? <laughs> He does have an Etsy shop as well, which you can get to through his website where you can get well, all sorts of cool stuff, including merchandise from the store itself. Um, Dr. Tongues, I had that shop. There's actually uh, some artwork some people have done for him. That's really cool. This is Alistair. I just wanted to belatedly thank you and Brenda for spending so much time on my feedback a few weeks ago. You are an exceptional writer-host-producer, but Brenda is your secret weapon, and I'm very glad she's appearing on the show more often. Your classic five together was adorable, and I look forward to hearing her picks. Do you want to play the classic five, babe? I don't think you can. I thought we did already. We tried to, and you didn't do very well. (gasps) Did you not (laughs) share my answers? I I thought we did. Mm. I'm pretty sure we did. Did you decide I would look too... Not smart. I didn't want you to lose your, your street cred. <laughs> you mean picking what's her name <laughs> as my favorite Godzilla? Right. Oh, Anne- no, I did include that. The Anne Hathaway. That was yes. amazing. It's because no. we recently watched that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, making your classic five deck available to fans is a fantastic idea. 
I'm sure they're going to be in constant reprint due to very high demand. I'm loving your segments on the history of Frankenstein, and as usual, you turn up material I haven't heard before. I have a complicated relationship with The Curse of Frankenstein. I love it, of course, but its significance in Hammer's development and on horror film history in general means that sometimes that it sometimes feels like a venerable textbook you are obliged to read, almost as if it exists to be respected more than adored and paid homage to before a viewer can move on to have more unfettered fun with the sequels. Or maybe it's just because I'm more of a Dracula guy. However, your analysis makes me want to watch Curse yet again. Apart from being always supremely entertaining, I'm sure I'm not alone in finding MKR creatively inspiring. Your interviews with varied, talented, imaginative, and industrious monster kids always leave me wired and eager to turn my hand to a new project of my own. It's exciting to be part of such a massively creative community. Keep up the great work and enjoy Monster Bash. How could you not? Oh, and then there's a asterisk starred section. In all honesty, Derek, listening to MKR was a huge part of what inspired and motivated me to launch this project and get in touch with a publisher. I meant it when I said that you probably don't realize the difference you and Brenda make in listeners' lives. Alistair. So he's the guy that we did not say anything about his book yet. I mean, I know it's coming up, but, Uh, you know, it's not ready for the public to know about it yet. Uh, He's working with his publisher and he told me he'd give me a heads up about it when it's ready to come out. I love what he's shown me of the book and I can't wait to see it. And I think listeners are going to dig it as well. Mm, Um, A couple things that he commented on. uh, First of all, the 200 Years of Frankenstein. I've been having a blast doing that. It's so much fun. But there wasn't one this week. <laughs> because uh, I wanted to... I, I you did made, the Rondo stuff Yeah, instead. I, I wanted to make the choice to listen okay. to, or not listen to, but participate in the Rondo ceremony in the chat room. And then include a little bit of that here on the show. Next week, though, I'm going to be back with 200 Years of Frankenstein. There's a silent film from France that I'm going to be talking about, which I just discovered the other day. Didn't know anything about it. And uh, I found a fan-subbed, subtitled version of it. Ah. So I'm, I'm curious. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to give it a shot and, and see where it fits with the Frankenstein timeline with in terms of its movies and things like that. So I'm excited about that. There's also a, a Mexican movie that I haven't seen yet that looks like it may have came out before Hammer took a crack at the Frankenstein films. And that's definitely one thing I want to do with 200 Years of Frankenstein is make sure that I'm looking at some of the more international productions as well, because I'm fascinated how this story from England made its way over here to America and just turned into this juggernaut, mm. sometimes literally, mm. in moviedom and pop culture. So that's it's fun. Where does the part that you talked to Scott about, the cameo, that you talked about today. Okay, yeah, the cameo. Uh, that's something else I'm going to make sure I see. I, I, I think, and I have to double check. I'm not a James Bond head. The way Bond head Bonder. What do you call a Bond fan? <laughs> fan. What would you call Scott? Scott. Okay, I'm not a Scott who's a huge James Bond fan, but there is a Frankenstein monster in one quick little cameo like scene in what is pretty much one of the earliest, if not first film versions of James Bond, the Casino Royale film, not the uh, more recent film with Daniel Craig, but one starring Woody Allen and David Niven, which 
it's a, a, a lark. It's it's a farce, and apparently there's somebody wearing a Frankenstein getup in it. So I want to look at that too. Mm. Okay, so what about your classic five deck? So you're going to make a core deck and then little side decks? Yeah, so I was talking with Stephen Turek about this a little bit earlier in this episode, and I've talked to a handful of other people as well. Uh, I have the core deck sample here. There's 25 cards of them, and they look amazing. I'm so pleased with how they turned yeah. out. Yeah. I'm going to make a couple tweaks to them. I'm going to kind of change one or two things, and then we'll put out a core deck. Which okay. will probably be about 70, 75 cards. Kind of depends on how many questions I feel are appropriate. I, my heart just stopped because I thought you were going to say 70 to $75. Oh, no. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, I'll sell if somebody wants to give me that kind of money. That's fine, <laughs> no, I'll do about 75 cards or so, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do the core deck. And I've got... Um, you just... That's I just said that. About. And then I'll have the, the expansions, which... Are part of the prototype decks that I've been using for the past couple of years now. Mm. Uh, the Hammer Films expansion, mm. the Kaiju Films expansion, the Universal Films expansion, and then what I call the Deep Cut, the really deep nerdery type expansion, or, or the Black Cards, which get really, not really hard, just sometimes they talk about more obscure things, like what's your favorite Inner Sanctum film, things like that, which... If you haven't seen the Inner Sanctum films, you need to. They're amazing. But then I also want to do a Monster Bash exclusive orange right. deck. What are you going to – like what kind of questions go in there? So I'm, I'm going to look at the kind of things that happen at Monster Bash. Wasn't there Laurel and Hardy stuff? Abbott and Costello. Oh, no. <laughs> Who's Laurel and Hardy? Well, they're also comics. Oh. But they're not Abbott and Costello. Really? Are you sure? pretty sure have you although, ever seen both pairs of them in the same room i was about to say i don't know if i have but then i haven't <laughs> huh hmm. anyway. anyway i want to do a monster bash specific mm-hmm. deck as well but that might be the, the tougher expansion pack to put right. together but it would be cool to have right as far as what i'm going to sell these for what kind of price we're going to have on them i i don't know once i get the core deck put together and find out what the printing cost is Mm -hmm. then i'll go from there Mm -hmm. i'm not looking to do this to make a ton of money it's just you know it'd be nice to kind of finance a a month's worth of mkr you know off of it or something like that so or the cost of the plane tickets the cost of the plane tickets you think i'll make that much money (laughs) no but maybe you should think about those things when you're pricing this right so 75 dollars a piece (laughs) i only have to sell 10 at that price (laughs) Maybe 10 Wait, and a half, and then three expansions, and then charge $20 for an autograph. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. But there is the hotel room to cover as well. Don't yeah. forget. The look on your face. Oh, no. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. <laughs> but I will have them available at Monster Bash, and then I'll also be selling them online. And, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Alistair. I'm going with a print-on-demand company, which means they'll never be out of print unless <laughs> I pull the pr- plug on them. But what if you called each batch that you printed, like, edition one, edition two? number them? (laughs) I suppose I could do that, you know. Well, no, I could do, I could order one deck that just has, like, numbers one through 75 on them and just put each card into that, into a deck. And then this is getting way too complicated. Yeah, that is so, who who is sorting these? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. No. No. But when you print, you could put, like, the first set that you print to bring to Monster Bash. You could make those... Edition one. I mean, you've got some space on some cards. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Just write yeah. 
Oh, that's a lot easier than doing card by card by card. <laughs> See, this is why I'm so glad you're part of the show and why I'm so glad we're married. Oh. <laughs> Which, about the same. About the same. On the same Equal tier. value. Read the next email. This is a long one. Yes. Derek, I appreciate what you do, man. I've followed Monster Kid Radio since the beginning. I recently listened to the pre-bash episode with Ron Adams and really enjoyed it. I went to Monster Bash in 2001 and 2002 when it was in Butler, Pennsylvania. I drove from Tennessee and stayed at the on-site motel both trips for the whole weekend. And dude, both trips were a blast. I met and got autographs from Caroline Monroe, Bob Burns, Tom Savini, Ken Foray, and others. I have to say, like, Ken Foray and Tom Savini, they don't, they don't feel like Monster Bash. So, Tom Savini is a local, so uh, I think he comes mm-hmm. every year. Not sure what Ken's story would be, but... And Ken's the one who told you not to point, right? Ken taught me a very valuable <laughs> lesson. If you go through my Facebook page and look at old pictures from my zombie podcasting days, uh, Horror Hound Convention specifically, but also some Crypticon Seattle convention pictures... If you go through and look at some of these pictures, I'm standing with celebrities and I'm pointing at them like, ha ha, you know, and I did that to Ken and he looked at me and said, you put your hand down, boy. And uh, from that point forward, I awkwardly do hover hand or who knows what else with my hand while I'm taking photos with celebrities. But it's amazing. I think part of the thing was he was bigger than you, which isn't a common thing. And you were right next to him, and he looked down at you, and he talked to you like you were a boy. <laughs> Put your hand down, boy. <laughs> yep, that was that was fun. Okay. Then he went off to tell me about how uh, Richard Pryor was the person who broke him of that habit with him. So, mm. yeah, which was kind of neat. Yeah. Well, he successfully passed on the breaking from Richard Pryor to Ken Forey <laughs> to me. That's not exactly. Um, that that that's like. Do you think that was a wasted lesson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, honey. It's not. Now you're not in pictures with a bunch of people with that big open mouth grin and your hand pointed. Yes. Anymore. Which I love that. <laughs> oh, man. But it was a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. All right. I also got to meet Dennis Druk Tennis. <laughs> Dennis Druk Tennis. I'm going to be honest with you. I like Dennis. I've met Dennis. I've written for Dennis. He's the former editor and the creator of Scary Monsters Magazine. Ah. I've always just seen his last name. I've never tried to say it out loud. And I don't think I've ever heard it read out loud. Oh. So, well, I like good it. luck. I like it when it's a little rhymey. <laughs> okay. So, we got to meet Dennis Druk Tennis and bought him a beer. It was cool to finally get to talk to Dennis in person since I had dealt with him so many times through Scary Monsters Magazine. Both years at Bash, I brought boxes of Monster Mags back when I was seriously completing runs and bought a few toys, including a full set of MPC Pop Top Horrors still sealed in the original two packs. Those purchases were very meaningful to me because that stuff isn't so affordable anymore. It sounds like Ron has another great show lined up for this year. Sure wish I could get up there and join you guys. I would love to play the Classic Five and check out your tables for all things MKR. Have fun for those of us who can't make it due to the dreaded real life. And I look forward to hearing your bash coverage on MKR. 
Thanks for your heads up about the Kino Blu-ray sale recently on MKR. I rushed over there and got some great deals on Blu-rays, including that sweet Outer Limits Season 1 boxed set. I also ordered the Psychopath Blu-ray since you and Larry made me want it with your excellent recent MKR episode. I love anything hammerish, whether it be Amicus, Tygon, Tyburn, or some of the Euro horror influenced by Hammer slash Universal. To answer your questions posed during Brenda's email readings, by the way, what a sultry voice. <laughs> Good on you, Brenda. Your voice flows like honey. Aww. My monster Mount Rushmore would consist of Karloff, Lugosi, Cushing, and Lee. Too bad there isn't space for a fifth. It would definitely be Vincent Price. You know what I say? It's your Mount Monster Rushmore. There could be five. <laughs> and yes, I love Jan Agar too. The other question was about the Classic 5 deck. I would certainly buy a deck, and I think if the price point was $20, you could sell several. If it was $10, you'd sell a coffin full. Also, sell each deck as a collectible, which is signed, numbered, and limited. And yes, Derek, we would want your signature on them. Hey man, you're a pretty important monster kid, and you have Rondo head to prove it. In a lucha mask, no less. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. Could we ever get that on Wednesday's head? Try. We could try. You could try. Do we want to survive? <laughs> Here's a couple of suggestions for future MKR content. Feature more Euro horror. The Euro horror of the 60s and 70s was heavily influenced by classic horror, and often those films bring a fresh take on the classics. In a perfect world, we would have a regular podcast featuring nothing but European genre cinema hosted by Tim Lucas, Troy Howarth, or Stephen Thrower, or all three. But as far as I know, the only podcast devoted to a portion of those films is the Nashi cast. And as good as it is, we could use much more Eurocult coverage in the potosphere. Another suggestion for future MKR content is more monster collectibles coverage. More people are collecting monster stuff than ever, and your listeners would probably enjoy some collectibles coverage on MKR. I know you have a full plate as it is, so I would like to offer my services as a reporter of sorts in this area. That's fantastic. I've been collecting monster stuff all my life from the 60s up to present, so I could send you a fairly short, ready-to-read email every week featuring a different monster collectible along with current values, history, etc. I have a pretty good collection, so I could attach pics that you could post if you wish. If you're interested in adding a weekly installment of the Vault of Monster Collectibles to MKR, just holla. It would be an honor to contribute to Monster Kid Radio. That's about it. Thanks for MKR, Derek. We appreciate it. Beast Witches, Michael Dodd. I think that's fantastic, right? The part where he said your voice is like honey? Certainly. <laughs> That's my therapist voice, I think. <laughs> um, no, I've always had that voice since I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, adding a little portion to the show about, I don't know, recently on sale collectibles or or just the history behind certain collectibles. So it's been suggested to me before. And the reason I've not pulled the trigger on that is I don't have a lot of horror, classic horror collectibles. 
Um, I, I have some holdover collectibles from when we were doing the zombie thing and I was more into more modern stuff, but I know there are people out there who are collectors mm-hmm. who have some amazing collectibles and I just, I don't have the space, the time, the money or the knowledge to really talk about yeah. them. So having a contribution like that yes. would be fantastic. Yes. And if I don't email you back within the next couple of days, man, please drop me another line. Don't hesitate to, to remind me. But yeah, I would love to talk to you about maybe doing something like that. That would be a lot of fun. I think it'd be really cool to bring some variety to the show as well. Uh, it'd just be a blast. So it sounds like it would come in a format that one of us would read? Yeah, we'll, we'll work out some details on that. Okay. We'll work out some details on that. I want to comment on the Euro horror side of things. And actually, I didn't mention this in the voicemail that was sent in earlier either. Sometimes uh, my Euro horror knowledge is a little spotty. Mm. Like I know Hammer. Mm -hmm. I know Amicus okay. I know Tyburn and Tygon and I I, like Witchfinder General is amazing and and, and so many of these other films. But uh, like earlier, Jerry mentioned Blood on Satan's Claw. I've never seen uh, and, and Euro Horror, my Paul Nashy, I think I've seen maybe three Paul Nashy films. That's it. And I know every time I say that, Rod and Troy over at the Nashy cast, you know, get like a little headache or something, like a, <laughs> a little shot. Um, I mean, their Nashy cast is amazing. And yeah. we're actually, uh, Rod and I are talking about having me come on to one of his other podcasts at some point. And I'm going to have him come back on over here to talk about some other movies that we need to. I would recommend going to SpanishFear.com. It looks like this is a uh, kind of a podcast network or a collective of people that handle European horror. There are some podcasts here, including the podcast Horror Rises from Spain, hmm. which you can find at HorrorRisesFromSpain.wordpress.com. <laughs> uh, this is actually a Spanish podcast, but I think it's in English. Hmm. I've never listened to it, but I'm aware of it. And back when I was doing work with... Uh, the label here, a studio here. Um, I know that we were kind of communicating with her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Elena is her name, mm-hmm. but you might check that out too. And of course, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Well, do you have any interest in learning more about that? Yes, I would love to learn more, especially Paul Nashy. I feel like I'm really missing out because I hear Rod, I hear Troy, uh, Larry, Doctor Gang Green, and you know, a number of people online talking about Paul Nashy, and I just I know a little bit about the guy. He played the Wolfman more than Larry Talbot. Larry Talbot, that's the actual Wolfman's name. Lon Chaney Jr. did <laughs> for Universal. I have seen the one Mummy movie he made, and it's amazing. I've also seen Horror Rises from the Tomb and have introduced that movie a couple of times over the years mm-hmm. uh, at local screenings. And it's great. But I just, eh, I don't know much about it, well, about, about the guy. So I, I need somebody to hold my hand and skip me through the films of Paul Nashy, I think. And if you can't find somebody... Wouldn't people be okay learning about it with you? Yeah. You don't have to be an expert all the time. Yes, I do. No, you don't. That's how I get fourth place in the rondos, huh? (laughs) 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 Anyway, I would like to learn more about Euro Horror. It's Mm. something that I'm fascinated by. And every time I, I get close to it, it intrigues the heck out of me. Like when I had a chance to uh, chat with Barbara Steele at last year's Lovecraft Film Festival. I mean, she did a lot of European horror and Euro cinema in general. And kind of just talking with her and introducing her film was, you know, it's fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the plus side, unlike a lot of the Universal movies, uh, pretty much all the Universal movies, 
Euro horror, we still have some people from that era of filmmaking with us, like Barbara Steele, mm-hmm. uh, like the Hammer Ladies that are out there that are still accessible and enjoy talking with their fans. So I think that's kind of neat, too. So are there any reference books that you could start with that maybe you could put on a show wish list or... Um, that's a really good idea. Or movies you could put on there? Like, that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Monster Kid Radio does have an Amazon wish list. Hmm. So tell you what, uh, while this show is compiling later tonight, I'll go through and I'll add some Paul Nashy stuff. I would love to get you my know, hands on that. Paul instead of spending time with your wife. This was your idea, Toots. <laughs> I know. I'll play my game anyways. <laughs> uh, there have been two excellent Paul Nashy Blu-ray collections that have come out mm. last year that I don't have that I would love to check out. And Rod and Troy did some commentary work on those. And speaking That's of Rod, amazing. real quick, just a shout out to Rod. Don't know if he's listening or not, but he just recently, uh, there's a death in his family, in his immediate family. Oh. So shout out to Rod. Monster Kid Radio's got your back and we're thinking of you, buddy. Can I ask you something you might not want to put on the podcast? What? How do these people get to do commentaries and and you're this expert? And, How do they get to do commentaries? Yeah. How do they get invited? You know, I I, I don't know how it started. Um I think once you do it, it becomes – and I don't mind putting this on the show. I, I think once you do it, you start to become a name that people know and recognize and mm-hmm. trust. People like Troy Howarth, who has been on the show a few times, he's done a handful of commentary tracks. He's an author. He's got a couple of books out there like Mario Bava books and things like that. Rod and Troy, uh, Gwen, I, I'm not sure yeah. how they got approached, but – once they were approached, they ended up doing more and more for them. So I think it's just a matter of kind of kicking your foot in and getting in somehow. Well, why don't you interview them? Not necessarily for the show. Why don't you just personal development? Ask them, how did this start? How do you put together an entire movie-length commentary? What are the pitfalls? Is this where we mentioned that I did try to do that? I just remember that you ran into some difficulties. And yeah. so you've you've got these experts that you have relationships with. I... I know you're kind of an expert in your area, but do you want to learn and grow? I, I do. I would love to be able to do commentary. I would love, you know, and it's it's kind of funny when I look back at our zombie days, the zombie podcast, because I would tell people, I want to be the guy that the History Channel comes to when they want to talk <laughs> about the history of zombie movies. How would, no, come on. But you did. It's okay to aim But I high. did. And I was, you know, and I wasn't at documentary, I Heart Monster movies. Yeah. Uh, and that was very cool. Yeah. But, you know, I would love to be able to do more with right. it. And I, I and know I hope, you would. That's why I'm asking. Like, you know all these people who are doing this thing that I know you want to do. Pick yeah. their brains. Okay. Learn and well, grow. Any listeners out there who are doing commentary tracks that wouldn't mind sharing a bit of knowledge with me off mm. the record. <laughs> off the record? You know, I would love to learn more. Not necessarily because I want your job, but because I want to be your colleague. Mm. You know? Aww. You know what I'm saying? So I would love to learn from some some the experts. I think yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe doing some of the stuff with the YouTube thing that I'm starting to try to get off the ground. Maybe that'll help kind of get me out there a little bit. Maybe. Speaking of which, I have a YouTube channel. Go look up Monster Kid. What was that voice? I don't know. Are you that excited about YouTube? I am very excited. I had Aww. so much fun editing that piece that I put up. And it was just a little unwrapping video. Yeah. Unboxing video. Uh, YouTube.com. Look up Monster Kid Radio. Monster Kid Radio on YouTube is a thing now. And uh, I actually have two other videos that are in various stages of post-production. 
that I'm excited to put up as well. So please go subscribe yeah. and like the videos. Why? 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 When I say like the videos, I mean give them a thumbs up on the YouTube page, on the YouTube video itself. All the YouTubers do this. Say thumbs up if you like the video, subscribe if you want to hear more, and hit that little bell icon to be notified whenever there's a new video. The reason for that is because of YouTube's uh, algorithms, and eventually, if I have enough likes and enough hours of watch time, I can then take part in their uh, their ad revenue, whatever, makes money off the YouTube videos. Got it. Not that I think that being a YouTuber is going to be like a career for me but again but if you can um scrape together enough little income streams like people buying amazon through your amazon link etc maybe you'll have more time because i'm you were talking about was it rod who has multiple podcasts oh rod yeah he's got a couple podcasts How? how 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 well one is not weekly i mean mkr is a weekly thing i mean and, and a lot of these other podcasters don't and rod's got a day job yeah you know, so it's not like this is his thing. No, well, that's just why I think how. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you expand a little bit, et cetera, maybe it could become more of your day job. I know I, you would love that. I, yeah. You know. It would be amazing to be able to do that. And I don't know, as I kind of look at, and boy, this is not what people tune into MKR no. for. This is a much longer <laughs> segment than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so listeners, thanks for hanging in there. But, you know, as I look at um, my health stuff that's recently become mm-hmm. much more of a omnipresent, is that the word? Sure, it's kind of yeah, on the forefront yeah. of my brain a lot more. And I just kind of look at the things that make me happy and the things I need to do to be healthy so I can enjoy the happy and, you know, uh, being in love with my wonderful wife and, mm. and taking care of my amazing kitties and just kind of getting on top of everything. You know, I kind of look at this stuff and I mean, I'm selling myself for <laughs> something an hour to the power, the power company I work for. Mm. And I'd rather sell myself to do to things that guys. I really, really to care about. To the listeners. You can sell you yourself to I want to sell myself to you and I come cheap. <laughs> okay, not, well, you know. Well, I think we established $75 a deck of cards. You know, and that's, that's no. We are all over the place. You we know what? Are. Let's let's. How do we get out of this? Um, oh, I don't know. And was maybe, there anything else maybe you, you mentioned? Don't put all of this in. Just I had questions based off some of the things you said. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's fine. Let's see. MKR popped up horrors autographs from important people. That's pretty much your it, monster right? Mount Rushmore can have as many heads on it as you like because it's your monster Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> there should be monster toys out there. That are mostly heads and busts, but they kind of fit together so that you could make your own monster Rushmore. <laughs> so that they kind of like have little connectors so you could put them in whatever order you wanted. See, I don't want a Mount Rushmore. I want a whole Smithsonian. That's what I want. <laughs> I just fill it full of all my monsters. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay. Should we talk about my toy? <laughs> I was going to say we, we have to talk about the collectibles. Um, but before we do that, I had a message that came in through Facebook. Mm. I just have to find it. Mm. And I didn't print this up, so I'll be reading it. Do, 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 uh, this do, is from uh, Ken, mm. who's been on the show before. He's going to be at Monster Bash. He's amazing. Uh, please take care of yourself as you work through your diabetes. We are with you in spirit and prayer, and we hope things work out for you. If you need any help with MKR, Monster Bash, or whatever, let me know. 
I sense you are like me, a if you want to do it right, do it yourself kind of guy. But if you're in a bind, I do have editing experience and could help meet them deadlines. Oh. I think that's amazing. Uh, I've had a handful of people reach out and say, hey, what can I do to help you out? Which is so cool. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Because I do worry in the next few months, you've got to get ahead on the show, right? Yeah. You not just doing the recordings, editing it. And you've also got to PDF the rest of your um, cards. Yeah, I do. Uh, he continues, uh, I can't wait to see you at the Bash and play and promote the Classic 5. I will buy a pack, $75, Ken. Though I, <laughs> <laughs> I know no Monster Kids outside of Monster Bash, but I want to support you and it may help me not to be shy when I meet new Monster Kids, oh. which is something we've talked about, uh, you and me and Scott and Tracy, about how this is less a game and more a conversation starter. Yes, absolutely. Just it's easier to say game. I mean, I wish you had extra recorders and people could just go around and play the Classic Five on your behalf and submit it to the show. There you go. That'd be amazing. That'd be very cool. I love that you have Brenda on MKR with you. You guys seem like a sweet couple. Even with all the F-bombs, she is obviously (laughs) saying, ha ha. (laughs) Take care, buddy, and we'll be listening to you till the bash when we hope (laughs) to see you. I can't wait to see you either, brother. It's going to be awesome. Ken is just an amazing guy. He's actually the guy who, if you go to our website... At monsterkidradio.net, across the top there, one of the options is Letterboxd. He is the guy who has gone through and created a massive database of basically every movie we've covered and what episode it's in. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's so cool. Gosh, that's amazing. Ken's a great guy. And he's also the guy who just came by with like a truck full of snacks for me at Monster Bash. He wanted to know what room I was in. I said, this is the room I'm at. And he and his family came up, dumped a whole bunch of food off on me. Wow. We chatted for a few minutes. He's like, okay, I'm out. I was like, dude, this is amazing. (laughs) Ken's cool. Ken's so cool. I can't wait to see you again, man, at the batch. It's going to be great. Now, I do have another email, but I'm going to sit on that one because it came in after I had access to the printer. Mm. So that'll be read next week, but it's from Jeff Owens from Classic Horrors Club. Ah. Okay, so before we wrap up the uh, feedback section and the uh, self-reflection, Brenda helps Derek with life coaching <laughs> section of the show, a uh, big shout out to listener of the show, Scott B. Yes. Why, why are we giving him a shout out, Brent? Because I have my robot. <laughs> I don't know what to say. He's, a, he's, a, he's an electric B9 robot. And his head goes up and down. But the best part, maybe, is that his arms are, like, expandable. So you could make him danger, 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 Will Robinson. Make him talk. And he lights up. And he's got rolling wheels on the bottom. And, oh, yeah. So you can turn him on all the time. And then he blinks, like, in succession, like he, used, he did. And he says a whole variety of things. The function of an environmental control robot is to supply all data pertinent to this particular field. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fantastic. I didn't know such a thing existed. This is the uh, Diamond Select Lost in Space robot B. Is it B9 or B7? I always forget. It's B9. B9. And his little claws open up and close. Do they really open up and close? Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. His little things. You See, can make them hold stuff. I haven't really had a chance to play with it all that much because it's <laughs> Brenda's toy and it's very cool. I, I think it's amazing. Scott, um, dude. So Scott Thank posted you. a YouTube video. Of he his, was the one that posted the YouTube video of uh, of his catching us being re- 
talking and recording an episode oh, of that's NPR. Right. <laughs> that's right. And he has that basement, right? Yeah, he's the one doing the Lost in Space cockpit, and uh, he's. I I love I love that inadvertently a listener of the show has given us something else to kind of bond over you and me over you Lost in Space stuff. You didn't know that. I mean, I, I used knew you liked the robot. Danger, danger. Yeah, I knew you liked the robot, but I didn't know how deep or or how personal it was. Mm. So that's that's awesome. So Scott B, you the man. Thank you so much. I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> She's speechless. Thank you. It's Thank it's you an audio so podcast, so you can't hear her just sitting there with this big grin on her face, playing with one of the arms of that robot. <laughs> so cool. If I didn't have this show to edit, I'd want to watch an episode of that with you right now. <gasps> oh, yeah. And um, we have it now, right? Yeah, he sent us the season one on disc. That's crazy. <laughs> so the new one started, hasn't it? Is it a series or a movie? The Netflix one? I don't know. And... I think it's a series. I could be wrong. But I've been holding off on watching it because if we're going to rewatch old ones, I want to do that first. <laughs> That's awesome. Sue. Okay, I've lost Brenda. She's playing with the robot. So <laughs> thank you for being part of the show, hon. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the end of a much longer than I thought it would be episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thank you for sticking around and sticking it out and being with us to the very end. And, well, just thanks for listening overall. And thank you for all of the feedback we've been getting. Our email address, again, it's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And we do have a voicemail line at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. You can always call and leave us a voicemail there, and I'll work you into a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. And if Brenda's feeling up to it, she'll read your email. So please contribute to the show that way. I want to thank you for being part of the Monster Kid Radio experience for me. Really enjoy having Monster Kids on the other end of it. Even if I can't see you, even if I can't hear you, I, I just love knowing that you're there and, and just enjoying this Monster Kid thing with me. I think the people who called in and wrote in kind of made it clear that, you know, this is this is uh, something special and it's because of you guys and gals that do it. I really appreciate it. Head over to monsterkidradio.net to learn everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. This is also where I would post things like the programming update that we did over the weekend or I'll even include our YouTube material now. Like I said earlier, Monster Kid Radio is on YouTube. Uh, you can find it at monsterkidradio.net or just look up Monster Kid Radio on YouTube and like and subscribe to the channel over there. Of course, we've got links to our Facebook page and our Facebook group and that annual monster poll. Please consider getting involved with that. I'm real curious to see how that pans out when we find out what your top 20 monster movies are. That's going to be a lot of fun to look at and do it year after year after year. What's coming up next week on the show? Hey, you know what? I don't know. I've got a number of different things that can be on the show. I've got an interview coming up with David Colton, the man behind the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. I'm going to be at Wizard World Portland this upcoming weekend, and I'm going to be on a panel about H.P. Lovecraftian monsters with my friend Sean Hode. I will be bringing my recorder and my video camera along to the convention and I'm hoping to get some Monster Kid content that I can share here on the show. I've got a number of other recordings coming up as well with various people. Some people you've never heard before. Some people that you have. So just stay tuned to monsterkidradio.net because this is where I'll announce what's coming up next 
on the podcast. The website's also where you're going to find show notes. Everything that we've talked about in this episode, you're going to find over there. If you want to buy your own copy of Cave of the Living Dead, please consider using the link that you can find at monsterkidradio.net in the show notes, because I get like five, maybe 10 cents commission off of that if you use that link to purchase anything from Amazon. I also included a link to Tomb of Torture. However, for some reason or other, Amazon is pricing the DVD of that at like 95 bucks. I don't know why I like the movie okay, but it's not worth $95. I'm just saying. But Cave of the Living Dead, you can pick up for $10, less than $10. So totally worth it. Of course, there's links to all the different websites we've talked about. Reber's website, SpanishFear.com, Horror Rises from Spain, Professor Frenzy, Steve Vertlieb's article about Robert Block. It's all over there. And there will be a link to the band that's playing this week on the show, and that would be the Necronautics. They gave us permission to play their music on this week's episode of the podcast. You know, Monster Kid Radio, which is registered as a service mark to Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Stolen Moments. That belongs to the band The Necronautics. It's from their EP Headhunt, which you can find at the necronautics.bandcamp.com. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio when you pick up this EP for four euros. My name is Derek Kim Cook. I'm excited to talk to everybody next week. Ciao.